0: Hope you're checking out the Prestige TV podcast on The Ringer. I had two appearances on there this week. Broke down the morning show, mid-season awards. Me, Amanda, and Nora did that one. And then Thursday, Joe House and I did a Curb your Enthusiasm Hall of Fame episode. We're also covering Succession on there as well on Wednesdays and Fridays. You can hear heading into the weekend, Chris Ryan, Big Waz, doing a pre-cap heading into episode two. Check it out. The Prestige TV podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Dr. Squatch. What you use in your personal care routine matters, so upgrade your lineup with Dr. Squatch. They have high-performing natural products with no harmful ingredients. That'll have you looking and smelling your best, like their Wood Barrel Bourbon Bar Soap and Lotion or their Bay Rum Deodorant. They even have some limited edition soaps like their Avengers and Star Wars collections. Those seem like they'd be fun to try. And right now, they have an amazing offer for new customers. Get 20% off your first purchase of any amount or subscription order by going to drsquatch.com slash Simmons or use the code Simmons at checkout. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network and FanDuel Sportsbook. Action-packed pod for you today. I have J.A. A Adande. We're going to talk about the NBA 75 list and the 2021 Lakers and bunch of in And Magic Johnson in 1981 versus Ben Simmons in 2021. Really fun discussion. Peter Schrager's coming on and talking about million dollar picks and the Cardinals. And then my buddy, Dave Chang, talking about food trends, the Washington professional football team, and a whole bunch more. So that's what I got. Uh, The NBA 75 list. So it came out tonight. Turned out all 50 of the uh, 50 of 50 people made it. Um, I actually, I tweeted tonight I couldn't believe I was like, why didn't they just roll the list over the top 50? Just have us vote for 25. I had one of the votes. As it turns out, I guess all 50 of the people got voted back in. That was that legitimately happened. They did not roll over the list. But ultimately they did the list. They have the 75, and now we could move on with our lives. I'm going to put in pyramid form my rankings at some point on TheRinger.com this season. I promise you. We're going to talk about the stubs in a second, but J.A. first, our friends from Pearl Jam. Alright, we're taping this 8:34 Pacific Time, back on the West Coast, where J. A. Adande used to live. Now he's in the Midwest at Northwestern University. But uh, your Dodgers are involved. We thought we actually thought this was going to be a more fun podcast today with the the Dodgers hanging in the balance and yeah, the Browns game and the. But yeah, it's kind of like when I texted
1: eh. you a couple of days ago, I thought you'd be in a much better mood because I thought your Red Sox were going to be on the way to the World Series. <laughs> and I know it's kind now, of flipped up.
0: <laughs> now we're, now we're both kicking ourselves. Well, let's start with, um, let's start with the NBA 75. Um, you, we're around the same age. We've had a lot of the same experiences watching basketball. You were the West coast version of me, basically loving the Lakers, uh, never missed the game, the whole thing. So then we have this seventy fifth thing. I thought for the most part they did. Okay. I only, I only thought there were only a couple snubs, the Dwight Howard thing. And Dennis Johnson were the two I think that made me the maddest. What what was the most shocking stump for you? Let's start there.
1: Yeah, maybe Alex Inglis. I'm not that bothered by Dwight. Um, okay. I'll get to Dwight in detail in a little bit. Um, it's interesting that they followed the model which I would have done. Which was, it, it it seems like the voters decided we're starting with the 50, the NBA 50 for the 1996-97 50th anniversary, and they just kept that list and then. Can we go 25 uh, after that? And that's when I sort of did this exercise with a couple of voters. I talked about it with Jack McCallum and David Aldridge and Sean Powell, guys who had votes. And so that was the moat I took. They, I think, started from scratch. A lot of people, I think, just decided to start from scratch. I thought it was interesting to say, okay, can we get to 25? You know, one thing that, that shocked me was that we didn't get the Parker-Ginobili-Duncan trio. Obviously, Duncan was going to be on there. But I thought the fact that those three guys were the winningest trio in NBA history mm. and what they meant for the league for so long, I thought you include those guys. You know, Bill, like, what was your philosophy? What, how did you define a top 75 guy?
0: So obviously I, w- I was born for this. I was ready. I've been ready <laughs> my whole life. I had been already making my list year by year. I wanted, because I, I had a vote, when I was trying to figure it out, I wanted to stay true to all the eras of the league because I think if you're just going to say, all right, who are the best 75 players, then you're just going to gravitate. Like Klay Thompson's way better than Bill Sharman. Like you can't do it that way. So I, you know, I was looking at the 25th anniversary team, 35th anniversary team, the 50th, obviously, um, all the work I did when I did my book and just trying to have a kaleidoscope. Like that's why I voted for Luca. I have Luca and Jokic on my list because... When they did the 50th, they voted for Shaq. Right. You know, and Which it's like it was at controversial the
1: time, at the time, but it is It was well. the right
0: move. Right. Right. And unless like Luca gets hit by a bus, he's gonna be one of the best 75 players of the first. So anyway, I looked at it that way. And and that's why I felt like Paul Arizon, like, yeah, I'm sure he's not as good as Manor Ginobili was, but for the first 25 years of the league, he was more important. He was more impactful, you know? So that that was the way I looked at it. And and then the other thing I did was I actually Ranked everybody in order, so I could really like see, and I had levels and tiers and the whole thing. So I ended up, I got sixty nine of my guys actually made it. The ones that I had that didn't make it, I had Jokic. I just figured he's won the MVP, he's the best offensive center of the past five six years. He's gonna that, that's keep a, that's getting a Shaq better. better ninety six better. vote, right? Hundred percent him. So I had him and Luca as my Shack ninety six votes. Dennis Johnson. Dwight Howard, Bernard King. So you mentioned the eras. And to me, it's, did you define
1: your era? And that's why, like, Alex English didn't make it. You know, when you think of the 80s, and I didn't know this, Colin Cowherd tweeted, Alex English scored more points than anyone in the 80s. And yeah, we he all did. know all the great players that, scored, that played in the 80s. And he scored more points than any of them in that decade. But when I think of the 80s, he doesn't come to mind.
0: Right. Well, so, because, well, think about the small forwards, right? He's behind Bird. He's behind Julius. Behind Julius behind Bernard King. He should be on. Yeah, who and oh, Bernard was it? Yeah, I mentioned him. He was the other one that
1: you had him. I I would put him on too. It's hard for me to think of 75 players in the NBA history ahead of Bernard King.
0: Yeah, and you were saying you wouldn't have had Walton in the 50, but you would have had him in the 75. And I, I think for me, the Walton King argument is a little similar. Like, if you're talking like peak apex where you're either the best player in the league or you're in the conversation for best player of the league and you, you sustain that for, you know, a year, two years, three years, that's, it gets a little weird when you talk about Derrick Rose because he won the MVP and people would say, well, why wasn't Derrick Rose? That was a weird year. And he won the m v p mostly because the two best players in the league decided to play with each other, and we were bad <laughs> at both of them, but LeBron and Wade were two of the best players in the league, and then Kobe was the other best player in the league, but they're having a weird Lakers season, and Rose kind of slid into that. I voted for him, but I don't feel like he was at the level like Bernard was at it Nineteen Bernard almost beat the eighty four Celtics by himself, so and you start you know, thinking about that, stuff like that, and it's like I have to have you like, on my list I against like Isaiah that.
1: itself. Joe right. Joe Dumars is another
0: another glaring absence. I think um, interesting. It, See, I I didn't. He didn't. He wasn't a bubble guy for me.
1: Well, we have to include those Pistons if you're talking about eras in the in the NBA, right? Like they're just below the Lakers and the Celtics, and you know then the Bulls. They just kind of squeezed in between all those eras, and then Joe Dumars was right there, right below Isaiah for importance to that team.
0: So I had my seven bubble guys, and this is. This is how hard this was. Cause 75 years is a long time. That's the other thing. My seven bubble guys who did not make it. Robert Parrish. I didn't vote for him.
1: Whoa. I mean, longevity, yeah. uh, important part, the trio, him, Bert, like, like I talked about this the Spurs trio. You can't yeah. talk about the Celtics of that era without Parrish.
0: I felt like DJ Bird, got McHale, a, DJ got a spot for me. And the more I thought about it. As a finals MVP. Yeah, the DJ thing, we don't have to litigate it here, but like when you throw in his three Seattle years where they go finals, finals, conference finals, beats the Lakers twice, he's probably the best two-way guard in the league in that stretch right before Jordan shows up um, and then goes to the Celtics. And like he played 180 playoff games back when we didn't have the 16 playoff teams. Right. Was in a whole bunch of big things. Like he took down Magic in the 84 finals. I I think it's insane that he's not in. But the Parrish thing, like, I just, I couldn't squeeze him in. It was like him or Luka Doncic. And I'm like, Luka just had the best three, three-year three start to an offensive career of anyone in the history of the league. So I had him. I left off Carmelo. I left off Alex English and Dantley. I left off Monroe and Maravich. Oof. I couldn't get there. And then Rodman. And and then I thought there was a drop-off. But those seven, and the Rodman you could see when you watch the Inside the NBA today, the guys, the great players they they never felt you know the same thing about Rodman that the fans did, right? You can kind of tell.
1: I'm thinking of your guy Bill Russell. Somebody asked him about Rodman one time and Russell said Bill
0: Russell says,
1: "That's Rodman. He's a cute
0: little rebounder." Right. <laughs>
1: you well, he you was know a gimmick.
0: Yeah, you know this with the with the great players like they really respect somebody like Kyrie like his right. ability to, his shot creation, that's the stuff they look at. The rebounding is like effort more than anything. So I think they look down on him a little bit.
1: But with Rodman, I can't get away from the fact that, you know, helps the the Pistons, the two championships, and then is a part of one of the great teams ever with the Bulls. And there's a difference between them going out in the second round and then winning three straight championships. And obviously a, a full, you know, fully vested back, Michael Jordan in basketball mode again, not, stepping off the baseball field, but I I can't separate, you know, when you think of the great teams of the early nineties stretch and late
0: nineties, there's Dennis Robin. Did you have Dwight in? I did. I did. I have, I have him in my rankings. I have him 64th. I mean, he was, he was five straight first team on MBAs. And the piece that I was, I looked on Twitter to see what people were saying about it and the piece that just gets swept under the rug is he went head to head against LeBron in 09 during a spring when we were all LeBron Kobe. We were headed for this. It was like a like a summer movie. We, we were ordained, all waiting to go right? see. Yeah, it was like LeBron Kobe. It's happening. And his team beat LeBron's team. And I, I if you look at the rosters, they're pretty even. Um, LeBron's stats are great in that series. It's not like he outplayed them, but he went toe to toe with them. And from a defense rebounding anchor of a championship team type thing, he was there. And then that you you covered that Lakers series. That was a closer series than I think people it, gave it, credit for. It was.
1: For. And I'll tell you what, I don't really remember Dwight Howard in that series. So that's mm. part of it. A, a big part of this is like, what do I, What sticks with me? You know, like I'm not so sure George Gervin is one of the top 75s. I mean, I know he won scoring titles and things like that. Um, you know, people from that era would tell you he didn't do much defensively. But George Gervin sticks with me, the ice man. Maybe it's because he called me one time. He returned my call and says, hey, it's ice. And that was the coolest thing I've ever been associated with. So here's my theory on Dwight. I'm not sure a single player, the way we think of him, has been derailed by a single shot the way Dwight was by that Dame Lillard shot that finished off the Rockets and eliminated them in the first round in 2014. Mm. And And I think we think of Dwight very differently. You know, we kind of pin it on him. Oh, he went to, to Houston and lost in the first round. Dwight averaged 26, 14, and three blocks in that series. It wasn't Dwight's fault. He balled in that series. And if they win and they go a couple of rounds, now we see Dwight as the biggest free agent signing of that year going to Houston and having an impact, right? Instead, they're out in the first round. The next year, they go to the conference finals. They lose to the ascending Warriors in 2015 as the Warriors are on their way to the first championship. And he's good in
0: that series, too.
1: Pretty good. I mean, you know, we remember Harden kind of flaming out with double-digit turnovers in the last game. Yeah. But again, he didn't make the difference there. They lose in the first round. And then he's just on the carousel, right? Going to Atlanta and going to, where do you go? Charlotte and the, the Wizards and Philly and the Lakers and away and then back to I, I can't even keep track. But like the second half of his career, he just turns into this nomad basically, right? And, and just a, a backup piece. Um, so we never saw him at the time when he was the most coveted free agent. You were in LA, you saw the state D twelve billboards, and he goes to Houston and doesn't make an impact and then just starts getting discarded around the league. Yeah. And do we think of him the same? Does that all play out if they go deeper into the playoffs that first year and he shows that, hey, this is the guy that the Rockets are gonna build around? Him and Harden, they're gonna be the new magic and Kareem or whatever. And I really think that single Damian Lillard shot just changed Dwight Howard's trajectory hmm. and kept him off the top 75 list.
0: I think he, I, I was actually shocked that he didn't make it. I thought he was pretty much the only center that mattered as soon as Yao Ming got hurt for, I don't know, six years there where. And, and is, a part of
1: it is that the legacy, right? We're not currently, we're not thinking of centers. Right. And so we're not thinking of any, like, who's the best center of this era? Does it even matter? You know, well, Dwight now, might have been the best center of his era. Maybe.
0: Now centers are I think it's a better, deeper position than maybe it was during when Dwight was there. He was kind of, he represented like the last old school center and we were and moving toward this new world.
1: The real last old school center, Shaq was always dumping on Dwight. Right? So but that that's didn't the help thing. Case. <laughs> honestly,
0: that's why Dwight didn't make it. I think people just don't like him. You know, and this is Russell and I in-house did a basketball, book of basketball podcast about it last year about It's about this very point, like his career was, I think, significantly better than people realized, Um, but people didn't like him and he was a jackass and he did stuff like the Superman thing and, you know, in the finals against the Lakers where they had real chances to take control of that series and he couldn't make a free throw and um, he was just a really frustrating player. He felt like the kind of guy that had the world at his fingertips and a lot like how we feel about somebody like Ben Simmons now. Where it's like, get your shit together, dude. You're one of the six best athletes in the league. So, Ben,
1: if we transition a little bit. Yeah. So you, you, you sent me that awesome clip of, uh, I don't know if I can even call it a clip when it's 40 minutes of news reports from LA local TV sports when uh, the Lakers filed Paul Westhead. And, uh, you know, all the speculation at the time was did Magic Johnson go upstairs and have Paul Westhead fired? And I remember that's my second or third, really third year of really being an NBA fan. My, my NBA fandom basically started with Magic and the Lakers and the 1980 playoffs. And th- from then, I just jumped all in and Magic's my favorite player ever. And all of a sudden, he's vilified, right? He's the bad guy. He got booed that first game after Westhead got fired. And it was so hard to see my favorite player turn into the villain. And I was thinking, one of the things that's hurting Ben Simmons is—is is anyone in Philly heartbroken by this? You know, did he have like this this hardcore fan base anywhere that's like that feels disappointed in him? That's part of the problem. Like, like nobody's heartbroken over this. You know, I, I get the sense you, you've got probably more Philly fans than I do in your friendship circle that they're just kind of like, eh, just get rid of him. You know, there, there's no there's no reckoning. There's no you know heartrending no, this guy doesn't want to be here. Let's get rid of him. Whereas for me, it was so hard to see Magic Johnson vilified and he got over really quick and they won the championship and then they, they, they took off. But Ben Simmons doesn't have that. And I think that's part of his problem.
0: Yeah, he entered the fuck this guy zone, which is a really <laughs> dangerous place to be if you're a player. The difference is, you know, Magic, his rookie year, they won the title and he right. played one of the le- most legendary games of all time. And for that, it's like at least he had a pedigree and a track record, whereas Ben Simmons' track record year after year has been, uh. But the the reason I sent that to you, there's this dude, so if people want to watch this, there's this YouTube guy. His name is NonPlayerZlit4. That's his YouTube handle. And he just basically has every single Laker clip from the 80s and 90s and 2000s you would ever want to find. And all the Chick Hearn calls, which are great. Like yeah. I actually watched the games, game four in nineteen eighty seven finals, which I went to the junior with, Skyhook with game. Hearn, right. I never heard the Chick Hearn call. It's great. It's really yeah. like it's so so
1: good. But well, you have anyway, heard it in the they they always play the Chick Hearn call like on the NBA commercials or whatever. Yeah, but
0: never like the whole right, like, the just whole the actual play by play. Right. So this guy put together this forty minute <laughs> montage of and, and it's. I, I'm telling you, when Brian Curtis sees this, he might have to he might need medical attention. It's got Fred Rogan and Jim, <laughs> Jim Hill. Jim Hill, of
1: course. Of course, Jim Hill. <laughs> Jim Hill, and is, Bill
0: just hasn't aged.
1: Right. Is the exact same from 1981. And you know, when you hear Jerry Buss answering one of the questions and saying, Roy, that's Roy Firestone. Right. Like, look, NBA, and, and also there's there's one thing where uh, they, they toss back to the anchors and, and CBS and Jim Hill's there. And you hear Connie Chung in there saying, "Can I say hi to Magic?" Connie Chung, who went on to be a national network anchor. Well, Jimmy you left Hill, out Legend the best one: Red Roy Firestone, oh,
0: Stu no. Nahan, Rocky, Rocky Star, Stu Nahan. You know from the Nahan. Rocky movies, yeah,
1: and, and uh, Fast Times of Ridgemont High, right? Yeah, all those guys. It was, but it was actually really good journalism. You know, watching it as a journalism professional now, like that's when local TV sports would, you know, they had. First of all, they had multiple guys, like you see guys in the studio throwing out to their reporters. You know, now you've got one person sports staffs and in, in, in local news. Um, and I give credit to a lot of those guys because they had done some reporting. You know, you hear them giving informed opinions. And there was so much skepticism about what the Lakers were, were, were uh, sending out that, oh, we'd already made the decision and we were going to fire Westhead later. And then Magic just happened to speak out. You know, it had nothing to do with Magic speaking out. Right. And you heard all the anchors saying like, right. Uh, the other thing also, it's actually a historic moment because that's the Pat Riley origin story. Right. You know, well, you, you trace it all back to that. And then Riley is basically involved in the next four decades of the NBA.
0: Well, and then then that they West and Riley are going to be co-coaches and then West in the press conference is <laughs> like, wait a second. That's not how it's going to play out. It's a mess. <laughs> the other thing talking about old school journalism. It really made me nostalgic for the era when the press just was able to talk to players. You see like yes. the players had so much availability for random local reporters and all he, just over and over again, there's this one interview where Kareem, who's like legendarily the worst interview as a player of that era. Now he's a really good writer, but back then just had no time for anybody. And he's given this interview before the game and he's just, he's just so yeah. annoyed, but trying to <laughs> seem chipper. And just giving no answers. But that's the thing. You kind of had to play the game back then.
1: But Bill, my favorite part of that clip is that they show the live time in the screen. And it's 6.36 p.m. It's like less than an hour before tip-off. Right. And Kareem's doing a live television interview. The other favorite things is, so the the origin of the story, you know, the Lakers, they win the championship in 80. um, They lose in 81. And then at the start of the 81-82 season... Paul Westhead, the coach, has installed this new slowdown offense and they're going into Kareem. As I'm watching this, I'm like, this is really Kobe and Shaq all over again, right? Because Shaq's complaining that they're running the offense through Kareem and they're slowing it down and Shaq wants to play more up-tempo, which, of course, Kareem doesn't want to do. He's already in his 30s. He's been in the league like a dozen years at that point. He doesn't want to run up and down the court. And so, you know, 20 years before we had Shaq and Kobe, it's Shaq and Kobe, basically. Only this time, you know, Kobe won at the outset. but they, so Magic vents his frustration after the game and basically says, I need to trade. This isn't working for me. I'm so in the wrong in offense. City, yeah. yeah, all this stuff. So they fly back to LA the next day. All the media is at the airport. They're interviewing Magic Johnson and Paul Weston as they're walking through LAX, which of course you can't do now because of, you know, the nine eleven restrictions. And then the next day, there's the famous press conference in which Jerry Buss announces that Jerry, Jerry West is going to coach the offense. Pat Riley is going to coach the defense. I mean, co-coaches. And West gets up there and says, no, Pat Riley is going to be the guy here. And then they talk to Riley does individual interviews with, with all the local stations. After and so does conference. Jerry
0: Buss. And so
1: does Jerry Buss. And then the next day they're at practice and they're filming practice. You know, they've got full access to practice. And then um, they talk to Magic and Westhead shows up to clean out his office and they talk to Westhead. And then Jerry Buss does a live shot with Jim Hill uh, before the game when they play their first game after the Like the owner is talking an hour and a half before the game after he just made this controversial move. You think anyone, any owner in the NBA would be doing that right now? It was amazing.
0: So I'm going to tell you why I sent that to you in a second, but we're going to take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus view it's historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. So we're talking about this clip I sent Jay about uh, 40 years ago, ironically magic and this whole thing self-combusting and the similarities and differences between Ben Simmons now. And you think about how this Ben Simmons thing's being handled now, right? No accountability at all. He's not talking right. to anybody. Anonymous
1: sources, left anonymous right.
0: sources, leaks. Um, the person who seems to have some sort of, uh, some sort of insight into what's going on with him is Sham Sirani Sharoni of the uh, athletic who's been on this podcast. Who is represented by Clutch, who represents Ben Simmons. So he's getting the only Ben Simmons side morsels. Then you have Daryl and his whole Philly side. They're just sprinkling. It's like who wants? It's like a t-shirt gun. They're giving morsels to everybody. And we're basically just put together this giant jigsaw puzzle of little, little leaks. We don't know what to believe. Now it seems like Ben Simmons is gonna play the "I'm, I'm not feeling that great. My back might hurt. And this is how it leaks out. Back 40 years ago, this thing plays out over the course of two days. Coach gets fired, Magic Johnson gets booed, and and then we're off. And then everybody kind of moves on. This Ben Simmons thing is, could last three years with us never knowing anything. And we haven't heard from Ben Simmons yet, have we? No. He's we yet won't. to talk. We won't.
1: You know, and and yes, the, the amazing thing, Magic talks, Riley talks, West talks. Jerry bus talks, all talk on the record on camera, just, just, you know, and and I'm sure they were all talking to the local print reporters as well. Um, yes, that, that was stunning to me and the difference. And we, we just don't get that anymore. And it's never coming back. Um, literally the access that you had where you could go get guys at the airport, where you could film practices. That was one of the things was that they said, and you're on the plane too. Yeah, you're, you're on, on the plane, plane, with, on the plane with those guys, interacting <laughs> with them. Oh, how about speaking to people on the record? So they interviewed Steve Springer, who was one of the beat writers. He shows up in one of the reports. And then Jim Hill's talking to Chick Hearn, who's like being as honest as you can be. You know, we think of the, the uh, play-by-play broadcasters as being shills for the home team. Chick was never that. Mm-hmm. But his breakdown of the whole thing was amazing.
2: Yeah. And then it was at great. the end
1: he says, Hey, there's still tickets available. Come to the game tonight. So he goes back to being a homer chill at the very end after he'd just been very candidly assessing the whole situation. The whole thing is amazing. Forty minutes. That's the same guy that did the magic magic man highlight. Yeah. Fifteen yeah, yeah. minutes of Magic Johnson highlights. The first seven and a half minutes, Magic doesn't take a shot. It's just mm. all rebounds and passing.
0: So I went with the, when we did Mr. Russell's house with Russell and we went to Seattle. And we were hanging with him after, and he told this story about he was at a game right after the magic thing happened when the fans had turned on him a little and he was taking all the shit. $25 million man, bad teammate, selfish athlete. This is the new generation. And <laughs> Russell said he went to a game. And I'm I'm paraphrasing. I wrote about this way back when, but Russell said he went up to Magic and he's like, hey man, hang in there. I can see your blah, blah, blah. And he gave him a little pep talk because he could tell like he was carrying this huge burden of this whole thing. And I was doing TV with Magic that year and I went back and I think we did a show a couple of days later and I was like, hey, Russell told me this story about back in 1981 and Magic like, it's the best thing anyone's ever done for me. And it did this whole thing. Like it was like this profound moment because he was like, he he had nobody like he, he just felt like he was adrift that he was a villain. Everybody was against him. And it made me think with this Ben Simmons thing, when, when you're in that mode, we saw LeBron like that 10 years ago, right? When he was at Miami and he became the villain and he talks about it after he's like, that wasn't me. I'm like a happy guy. I'm not, I'm not meant to be the wrestling heel. And it really bothered me that year. And I wonder like with the Ben Simmons thing, How does that manifest itself when this isn't your personality to be the fuck you guy? Oh, I'll show you. I don't think that's who he is. So I think if anything, it's going to go the other way where he'll retreat from it and figure out ways not to play. That's part of the problem is
1: we don't know who is he, right? Is he a selfish guy? Is he sensitive? Is he aggressive? Is he, like, we have a sense of who Joel Embiid is, right? Yeah. We don't have a sense for Ben Simmons. And I mean, to me, it goes back to the fact that his team didn't get into the NCAA tournament when he was the guy at LSU and was considered the best player and the, you know, the top draft pick prospect. Um, It was the same with Burks, but Markel Fultz, right? Yeah. You know, he didn't, he didn't get Washington in the tournament either. And and two number one picks that Philly wound up taking. Hmm. Um, So here's another thing that has to be causing a lot of angst in the Philly people. Nobody's talking about this. Remember Ben Simmons was the prize for the process. Yeah, You know, like they, they come off the worst record in the second worst record in NBA history, 10 and 72. This is what the process was all about, right? You're going to pull your team apart so that you'll have the best chance of getting the number one pick. And lo and behold, it worked. You got the number one pick. And now you got a guy who didn't take a shot in game seven of the uh, the playoffs series and might not ever play another game in uniform <laughs> for the 76ers. This is this is the end result of the, of the process. Never forget. This is what all that losing got you.
0: Yeah, it's basically Embiid is as long as he's one of the best ten players in the league, you at least have something to point to. But when you but think that like, wasn't
1: really the process, you know they got the fourth pick that year, and the only reason they got Embiid was because there were injury concerns,
0: which have played
1: out. He's never gone through a whole year and a whole playoffs healthy. So right. there's a reason he was number four. That when I think it was four. He was when three was drafted yeah. three. He was three. Um, the reason he didn't go one though, he was the best player in that draft, but there were um, injury concerns.
0: So quickly, let's audible to the Lakers because you and I were talking about you covered the 04 Lakers. And now yes, we, had L3, and we had this conversation. We had this conversation before the Grizzly opening night uh, Lakers game. Um, the similarities and differences between the 04 Lakers and the 2021 Lakers, where you have LeBron as the Kobe clearly. Well, <laughs> a key difference.
1: <laughs> He's not facing a sexual assault charge. And he, well, that, yeah, um, <laughs> that's
0: true. Yeah, Kobe was going to, dealing with a trial possibility there. You had older Shaq versus, in his prime, Anthony Davis. But from an impact standpoint, eh, I, I would still take Shaq. But it, it's in the ballpark. And then you have Russell Westbrook as the proxy to this Malone-Payton combo of these two guys that were one thing on other teams. And now they're getting shoehorned to this other situation that belongs to these two other guys. So as you watch this, what, what are the similarities to you?
1: Um, you know, obviously, the, just the sheer volume of Hall of Famers. Um, you know, I mean, Carmelo's top 75. I think he's a lock for Hall of Fame. Um, so, you know, you got these four guys. Uh, it, it was so different. I mean, the fact that Phil is a free agent, you know, in 03-04, and then midway through the year, his, his contract gets yanked off uh, his contract offer that the Lakers are talking about, they they pull it off the table and then they announce, yeah, you know, we're we're taking Phil's contract extension off the table. That's that's not up anymore. And then Kobe says, I don't care. <laughs> Which to <laughs> me, you know what? Actually, the Sixers in some way remind me more of that team because when Embiid said he said something like, I don't really care about that man, or something like that, um, it reminded me when Kobe said, I don't care whether or not Phil Jackson is, is the coach anymore. Right. Um, I mean, you had that going on. I mean, it, it's funny. Meanwhile, Frank Vogel, you know, there's not a lot of pressure on him. I, I feel like Vogel's a made man. He got that championship. Um, he's a made man now, so he's good. Um, you know, that you don't have the tension that the Kobe and Shaq relationship had reached its end point, exacerbated by the whole Colorado incident and, and you know, which drove even a further wedge between them. Um you know, like, I, I think if we talk about how it can work on the court, um, I think it can work. So, the interesting that the, the Lakers got off to a great start that year, in part because Phil didn't make them run the offense. Gary Payton was always going to be a bad fit for that offense. Um, And then we can get into whether or not that equals Russell Westbrook, right? But I'm not really sure what the Laker offense is. You know, the Lakers in 03-04 had the very defined triangle offense and is very... You go here, you do this. But Peyton and hated it, though. He hated it, right. And the, so at first, he just pushed the ball off the court. He kind of had a pact with the coaches that, like, if I get the rebound and I just push the ball off the court, we don't have to run the offense. So the first game, they come out against the, the Mavericks. Remember the Mavericks debuted those silver uniforms that they, they threw in the trash after that game? Right. They just blow them out. They're running up and down the court. Peyton's freewheeling, running, dishing, having a good time. You know, and then gradually, you know, Phil says, okay, we got to start to run the offense because in the playoffs, we're not going to be able to run up and down like this. And Peyton, you know, rejected it and and never was a good fit. I I told him before he even signed, he was trying to come to the Lakers. I said, Gary, you in a triangle? You sure this is going to work? He said he could make it work. It didn't work. Remember, he wanted to spend a lot of the finals on the bench that year. Like, I don't know how Westbrook fits in. The, The whole key is whether or not LeBron's ready to say, here, you take it. Because when LeBron went to Miami, you know, everyone talks about you got to sacrifice this and that. LeBron never sacrificed. LeBron goes to Miami. Bosch and Wade, see their usage rate goes down. LeBron stayed the same. LeBron goes back to Cleveland. Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, their usage rate goes down. LeBron stays the same. So LeBron's never, you have to adjust to LeBron. LeBron's never been the one that said, I'm going to take a step back and incorporate this and that. Um, No, that's not him. Don't you think, Bill, that he's going to want to save some wear and tear and let Russell Westbrook handle things a little bit more and initiate the offense, bring the ball up the court, all of that, that we saw LeBron do so much. I feel like he's going to be more than happy to let Russell Westbrook do some of that.
0: I think that's what the theory is. I don't see We've it. We've never the, seen it. I, for all the reasons you just mentioned. And if you go, I'm, I'm clicking on LeBron's basketball reference page. What's really crazy about that page and what I think people would be looking at 50 years from now is how similar all the years are. Where he's basically just 27 points a game and somewhere between 34 and 38 minutes a game for like 16, 17, 18 years. Where he's 27, 7, and 7 over and over and over and over again. And you go and you are like in the
1: high 20s, right?
0: Yeah. And you go and look at his usage rate And it's always in the low 30s. It's always between 30 and 33. I think the point you made about everyone has to adjust to him is a really important point that I don't think people realize enough with LeBron. There's been very few guys who, even though the team might be better with LeBron, who you could say, oh, that guy was way better with LeBron. Like, like think about how Curry with Durant. Curry, his stats, you can go, look, his stats suffer. He actually gave up stuff. Right. We've just never Dwayne seen that. Dwayne Wade LeBron gave up
1: a lot. Dwayne Wade, Dwayne gave up kind of like his team, you know, yeah. like, like he kind of said, okay, LeBron, it's your team. I'm still the man in Miami, but this is your team.
0: How about Shaq in Miami with Wade? Like he definitely stepped back 20%. It would make sense for LeBron to do that. But then when you watch him the other night, it's like, why would you not want LeBron to have the ball? Like, the guy's <laughs> one of the two best players of all time and he still looks great. I don't want Russell Westbrook to have the ball. I'd rather have LeBron have it.
1: I will say this. I, I was watching an opening tonight, and there's one time, you know, LeBron didn't touch the ball in a possession and you can have a possession with LeBron not touching it and you're still running a two-man game with Westbrook and Anthony Davis. And I thought, right. that's something pretty special. if You can run a two-man with those two players and you don't even, you can just tell LeBron to go stand in the corner for a couple of possessions. So I, I think LeBron will come to appreciate that. We'll see how Vogel and the coaching staff come to utilize that. Um, I mean, we... we LeBron's never had a coaching position to say, LeBron, go stand in the corner for a couple of plays, right? Like Greg Popovich used to ask Tim Duncan as, as they adjusted and as Ginobili mm. and Parker became more prominent. There was one year I remember, Duncan is just like running up and down the court, setting screens, grabbing rebounds. Tim Duncan, he'd already won MVPs at this point, And he just turned into a screener and a rebounder. And, you know, they never ran any plays for him anymore and Tim Duncan being Tim Duncan he was okay with that. I'm not saying you need to turn LeBron into that, but can you tell LeBron to just um yeah, dribble, pass and then go into the corner or do you know, do a little bit less. Can Frank
0: Vogel say that to him? I don't know. I'm just not positive Westbrook's a winning player at the level of winning four straight rounds. You could I know it's the first game. I know it's an overreaction. But he's if he's if the ball isn't with him or around him, he doesn't really know what to, where to go and what to do because no team is going to be afraid of him shooting. So you'd watch him just kind of, he's meandering around and it's like, all right, it's a little like when Rondo's at his worst, where he's like, where kind of where do I go? I'm going to just kind of run along the baseline and veer out, but I don't know. I just think, I, I just would have rather had Buddy Heald than KCP. I really would have. I think that's a better fit for LeBron because LeBron's not changing at this point. He's been in the league 19 years. You want to put people around him that, makes sense for him, you know? And I don't, I just don't think Westbrook makes sense to them. I don't see it.
1: I thought it was ironic that Westbrook's first game, Mr. Triple-double, Steph Curry comes in and has a triple-double <laughs> in <Right>. his house. <laughs> right,
0: Well, we'll see um, what happens. I mean, the thing with LeBron is if it's not working, we saw it with the 2018 Cavs. They'll, they'll cut bait. I mean, he got, he got them to trade Wade. Wade, who is allegedly yeah, one of his, his best friends. His he got in the F <laughs> out of there in three months. Um, Bill, I, I have two
1: quick, betting propositions for you. Um, right, I'm not hear. a gambler, but I know you are. And and I know you can plug the, the gambling sponsor here. All right. So Anthony Davis played 466 games in New Orleans. Um, Zion is currently at 85 games in holding. We'll set 466. Is that as it? The,
0: that's all he's played in New Orleans? 85 games?
1: Zion. Remember, like, A, there were two shortened seasons, right? Yeah. His first two wow, seasons. COVID shortened. B, he's been injured a lot. And, and the number's not going to go up anytime soon. Um so over under the 466 that Anthony Davis played, over or under for Zion playing those number of games in in, uh New Orleans.
0: Is this a trick question because they're gonna be in Seattle? No, 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 because they're gonna be in Seattle in two years.
1: (laughs) With this franchise. Well, (laughs) if they move to Seattle, does that change things? I mean, part of the problem is New Orleans, you know, they're always just gonna be hurt by the fact that there's just no corporate support there. Nah, it's sponsorships or anything. You just it's it, it's a tough, tough market. You know, and, and what what passion there is down there, the Saints suck it all up. So yeah. four sixty six, you know, with Zion who, you know, is already making googly eyes in New York, um, who's on his third coach in his third season already. I'm going um, under.
0: Under. Under. Well, and, especially and also the injuries too. I was thinking more injuries. Four sixty six is a lot for somebody who's already had, what is this, his fourth relatively significant injury third or fourth I don't like foot I mean, injuries
1: one, he's one, had one in college
0: the two, knee knee, in, two in, knees yeah. right
1: yeah, yeah two and knees a, and a foot and, and now another broken foot yeah and I so think the that, injury is more than the fact that he doesn't seem to be happy there and and could we, we haven't had the guy leave before signing the you know at the very least the rookie extension right? it's not
0: gonna be him he, okay. he's taking that money Especially All like right. if you've had a couple injuries already, you're grabbing the money. What's the other prop? My other
1: one um, comes off watching the Hawks play the Dallas Mavericks tonight. So Trey is already up 2-0. He's won two playoff series. Luca has yet to win a playoff series. Who winds up winning more playoff series between those two, Trey or Luka?
0: Ooh, that's a really good one because I, I was bullish on the Hawks. I bet they're over. I picked them for a three seed. They're just really loaded. You can see it tonight. Yeah. And they just have a ton of talent. Yeah. The Mavericks aren't having fun. I think you could make a case. If you're just adding a playoff series and Trey is just banking, how many did he have last year? Two?
1: So he won two, played three, won two. Luca played three or two? Luca has zero playoff wins so far. Right. He hasn't won a playoff series yet. So, so you could make right a case
0: now. you could make a if they made the Eastern Finals again, Trey would be up four nothing on Luca after a couple of years. I would say Luca's still the favorite just because I think he's a generational offensive player and at some point he's gonna end up on a team and just rip off have the
1: Mavericks won a playoff series since they won the finals in all eleven?
0: No. They've not. They've <laughs> not. That's a good <laughs> So method. remember this
1: this is a franchise question too. So I thought that was interesting. Um that, Those that are was good something ones. that popped, popped into my mind. So uh, you, you, quick, you can, you can uh, plug the sponsor now.
0: <laughs> FanDuel. It's FanDuel, our favorites. Um, quick, before we go, Dodgers? Dodgers, um, they stayed alive tonight.
1: Um, as we're taping, it was the ninth inning. They, did they win the game, Bill? Yeah, they won. Okay, it's it's a sure. wrap. You know what I realized? I love the Dodgers. I don't necessarily love this team. Mm. You know, and it's kind of the reverse... Of the way the Lakers were for me, like the Lakers, I fell in love with that era. The show I grew up in the Showtime era was introduced to basically the pro sports through that teams. I loved that team: Magic, Kareem, Worthy, Michael Cooper, Bob McAdoo, all those guys. Um, you know, the 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 Dodgers. I kind of grew up sur- I like Vin Scully as much as anybody, right? The, just the tradition, Tommy Lasorda. I mean, they were just things that were institutions. Um, but like this iteration. Um. You know, it's just been kind of frustrating
0: watching them. Um, Is it because it's such an expensive team? It takes like a tiny it, bit it, of the fun yeah, out of it? it takes,
1: takes the joy out of it. And, you know, the fact that they're so committed to this stuff, like, you know, the you can see the front office meddling, like the decision to pitch Urias in relief, and it felt like it threw him out. You know, all these decisions they make. They they started Joe Kelly in the game, and he's down 2 nothing, and has to come out of the first inning in this game. Um, you know, like all these things, the shift you know, they're so committed to shifts that I kind of am secretly happy every time the Braves get a hit against the shift by, by hitting into yeah. the, the open space because I hate the shift. You know, so they do all these things that I'm so opposed to. The fact that one of the reasons they're down a starting pitcher is because they decided to sign Trevor Bauer for $40 million when everyone was trying to tell you he was a bad guy. And the whole press, that was, a talk about amazing press conferences, Bill. Go watch the the video of the, the, press comments for Trevor Bauer like hey Trevor Bauer he's from LA we're bringing him back here's a big press conference at Dodger Stadium and and all the questions are like like Trevor are you gonna be a better person because like you've got a reputation for a pretty bad guy uh you know asking the the the, the executives like are you okay with signing this bad guy you like you think Dodger fans are gonna be happy with this so like you know what it, it's like hard for me to root it's hard for me to talk about oh you're overcoming stuff when you put yourself in this position by you know no one could have imagine this worst case scenario, but guess what? You hire someone who's got a you know, reputation for, for being misogynistic and lo and behold, he gets accused of, of this. Um, so like, it, it, it's hard for me to really embrace this group. I love Mookie Betts though. Although um. Mookie is, I, I say, I know this is a, a, a wound for you, Bill, but like, I'll say this, like, he's what's right with baseball, but he's also what's wrong with baseball. You know, and and talk about the reasons it's hard to embrace this team. Like, I love Mookie. You know, I wish we had more African-American players like him. The fact that a guy is 5'9 and can dominate a sport. Well, you know, name another team sport where somebody 5'9 can be this dominant. He's so fun to watch, joy to watch. But it also sucks that the Dodgers are one of, like, two teams that can afford him. Right. You know, like, that's not good for the sport. I feel bad that, like, the Dodgers kind of by default have Mookie Becks because not even the Boston Red Sox could afford him. That's something fundamentally wrong with this sport when only two guys can have this guy. This should be a guy that like almost anyone could have, right? Um, I wish more fan bases could experience a Mookie Betts, but only the Dodgers can afford to pay him what he's worth. I
0: agreed with everything you just said, except for the part that the Red Sox couldn't afford Mookie Betts when they've literally 10 tentupled the franchise value of the team. <laughs> they make well, they, so they, much they, money. They, they, they absolutely they could have choice, afforded though, Mookie right? Betts. I know. Um, well, South I really hope... Couldn't. I hope our team survived. My team up 2-1 against the Strows, but the bats had been hot for literally two straight weeks and you just know, if you, especially the older you get, the more baseball you watch, it's like it's hard to keep those bats going for 3 weeks, for 4 weeks. Like at some point you're going to have to start winning the 2-1, 3-2 games. And defensively they just they it's really hard for them. They're uh, basically long is the a softball bill? team. For, you talk wh- for to you,
1: the, the the window for when your team wins and you have that grace period where you're not, you're, you know, you're not torn apart. Well, you went into this year and I know you've been on record for like you were bullish on this Red Sox team coming into the year. Yeah. You just saw something you liked, but they didn't have to win for you. Right. Like like no. good with this, you know, they got to the to the ALCS like this is a successful season. Right.
0: I, you know, I, re- I did the five year grace period stuff in the early 2000s when I had it won in a while. <laughs> so I was like, here's how it should go. And then you realize the older you get, like you just get into the teams and you, you know, it just becomes part of your everyday life. It's hard to be like, ah, well, I won three years ago, so I don't care as much. I'm really attached to this team. I was devastated when Evolve didn't get the called third strike. And then all of a sudden the floodgates open and we've blown this chance against a really good Astros team. So, you know, I well, still I- feel like... Uh, you know, it's different. Obviously, when it's you haven't won in fifty years or forty, like that. There's nothing and, like and that. And it
1: was a long time for the Dodgers from '88. Yeah. So, like as they were going through it against the Astros and it's the Red Sox. That I, I, my buddy Anthony, my my college roommate, huge Dodger fan. And I, I called him during one of those years, and I'm like, "Why is this so much harder to watch than it used to be?" Like I was, it's because we're old in agony. Exactly, he yeah. said it, it's because now we realize that you know, like they won. You know, I started really getting into the Dodgers late 70s, early 70s. They went in 81, they went in 88. So we didn't have this long drought. Then they go from 88 mm. until last year and you realize like I just want to get one more, you know, before I croak and we might not get another shot at this and it was just agonizing to watch. And because they won last year, now I'm just kind of like okay, you know, like like I'm I'm I, I, like I'll turn the game off if they're losing and I just don't want to subject myself to it, you know? Mm. Like I'm I'm perfectly content to just, you know, I've got my my, all the championship gear I bought from last year, I'll just go put that on and bask in that. I've got a
0: Mookie Betts jersey hanging in here in my closet. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'll motivate you. That last year's title barely counted. It was like the COVID title. It's a huge <laughs> asterisk. It's like one of the biggest asterisk titles of all time. What a real title. How about that? Well, That'll it, get it, fired it, up.
1: I, I, I heard you mention with Jackie, you know, my, my thing, like it's not an asterisk, but I don't think LeBron and the Lakers win without that two month gap that they had for him to recharge in 2020. Right Um, now, it's a good theory. He 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 beat out everyone. You know, everyone else had that gap and they didn't capitalize on it. But but he. But it helped
0: him because of his age. Yeah, yeah, he needed. I agree with you. All right, uh, we got to
1: wrap up. I I I, before we go, I just um you know I got announced the the Simmons Family Scholarship is now available at Medill for the graduate school. Um, you can apply. Preference for graduates of HBCU. It's A tremendous opportunity. Um, you know, it's really a a great uh chance for us to help diversify and to give some chances for some um, young up and coming folks who might not have uh, a shot to, to, to go to Medill. So um, I'm you to, to go to the Medill website, seek more information. You can email me at ja.adande at northwestern.edu. And I can get you to going on some stuff. If you're interested, if you want to come to Medill and we, we can't thank you enough. And and you've been a, um, you know, a a great ally, great friend, a great, of great benefit to us in our program, me personally, and, and to, to all the people that you're going to affect. Um, so uh, before we go, I just, I just have to thank you. Like I, I, I can't give you enough podcast appearances <laughs> <laughs> to I, make this up to you. No, nah, I appreciate it, Jay.
0: No, it's, it's, I'm glad we figured out a way to work together in a real way. And we have been talking about it for a while. So um, now it's good. I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. Thank you. Awesome. Thank, and thanks for uh, thanks for having me and including me and all that stuff. But thanks you know, for being on the you, pod. Hey,
1: Bill. Bill, when I say anytime, you know I mean <laughs> anytime. <laughs> you all got right. me.
0: <laughs> all right. I hope I see you during the Dodgers Red Sox World Series. I hope we get That'd the taste about it. I, all if right. the
1: Dodgers go to the World Series, I'm out there. So you'll see. All me. right.
0: All right. Sad so everybody in Northwestern. Talk to you. You got it. All right. We're taping this part of the podcast. It is 1115 Pacific time. Peter Schrager is here as always. We're going to do million dollar picks in a second. We've crushed it again last week. I, you know, at some point we'll get credit from the masses of 1.57 million this year, five or six winning weeks. And this week sucks, which we'll get into in a second. Let's talk about the six and O Cardinals though. Are you a believer yet? I am. It is,
3: it, it is an interesting deal over there. So uh, let me tell you, how would you have handled this if you were Kingsbury last week? So he can't coach because he's COVID positive. It, he's been vaccinated, no symptoms. And I was texting him the night of the game and I'm like, where did you watch it? How'd you hit? And he goes, I did not watch a snap. I couldn't handle it. Like I had no control. I had FOMO and this feeling of, not- so he spent the entire game last week, which is this huge win in Cleveland. His boys, they stepped up walking around his block like in circles and then just watched Houston Texans film in the second half. And I'm like, bullshit, like you definitely watched. He's like, I literally could not stomach watching one play from that game because I I just, I have too much control over it. Now you're a, a executive leader in your business. Like, what do you think of that? I think that's really interesting.
0: Yeah, I remember when we launched um, Grantland, I was on the road. And cause we, I was doing, went to a Bruins game and an NBA finals game and I was writing from the games. So at some point I left and it was just kind of like, you just have to kind of cross your fingers, but I was still reading the site and seeing what we were doing. And I had input and I had emails to just be cut off like that. Um, at the same time, are we sure he was cut off? Do we believe this story? They have all these texting apps where it's like the text text disappear in like 10 seconds. Yeah. He could be on signal. (laughs) How would they know? There are a lot of coaches around the league who were
3: who are, who are texting me last week like, you know, that's bullshit that he can't code. I'm like, what are you talking about? Think about it this way. The NFL has a system where in the league office, if there's a pass interference call that they don't agree with, they can buzz an official in Las Vegas, in Los Angeles, in Seattle and be like, pick up the flag. It wasn't like we're going to review it. But this guy in 2021 who is vaccinated and yeah. has no symptoms and it, it should not be punished for a positive test, isn't allowed to communicate with the team at all on Sunday. I, now, if you want to say, well, Stefanski did that last year. That was before the vaccine was out. So I think there's this like, and, it, and we're going to find it with the NBA, with the Kyrie Irving stuff and how, hey, wait, there's a lot of what if like or what about isms like this guy's not vaccinated, but his state says this. It it feels like there's a lot of moving targets and a lot of different goalposts. And I, I think it's frustrating for these coaches. like. Why was he punished for that? And guess what? As of Thursday, he still doesn't have, it might be a second week where he can't coach because he hasn't cleared protocol yet. So here's this undefeated team who last week did not have their head coach, their star center and Rodney Hudson, Chandler Jones, that didn't have their GM on the road. Cam Turner, who's North Turner's nephew, is the number two to Kingsbury on offense. He wasn't there. So, like, I thought it was a pretty amazing win last week to go into Cleveland, even as as a banged-up Cleveland was, and to not only beat them, beat the snot out of that team in their building. And now they've got the Texans. I think they're going to just roll over them again. Like, I keep waiting for this Cardinals team to have this massive drop-off. There were some major obstacles last week, and they had maybe their best performance yet.
0: Well, and they lucked out. Sal and I talked about this a little on Sunday where this NFC West juggernaut division that we thought we were going to get, we might not have gotten it. Like, Seattle, which is basically uh, at the the brink here, which we'll talk about in a second, but Seattle looks like they're probably not going to be a playoff team. They're the worst, at least by yards, the worst defense in the league. Definitely top five by all the other metrics. Wilson's out for a while. They just look like they're off for a variety Mm -hmm. of reasons. They've had bad luck, so they might be out. Plus, they're going to have a really tough schedule. And then the Niners thing with, uh, you know, how this plays out with Trey and Jimmy and, whether that was worth it, giving up all those assets, they've already had some injuries and just that that, nothing about that team has looked great either. And then on the flip side, the Cardinals look like an absolute juggernaut with the four receivers. Um, Kyler's healthy. They have speed, you know, and I, I don't think they have the same kind of Maybe uh, maybe that look that Dallas had on Sunday where you watch and you're like, oh, that's the kind of game that a Super Bowl champ wins and we point back to in mid-October. Arizona hasn't had that game for me yet, but they're in the mix, which I was not expecting. Yeah, and the general manager, Steve Keim, did something pretty
3: interesting in the offseason and it was deliberate. They looked through their roster and they're like, each position group Where do we need to get better? And it's not necessarily skill. It's more veteran leadership, which is an intangible that people roll their eyes at. But J.J. Watt signed a $20 million deal that no other teams were really banging down his door for. He's been really good and really good in the room you go to the wide receiver room and it's like you've got Hopkins and you've got Kirk and you've got Rondell Moore, AJ Green, not a big vocal leader. One year, $8 million has been really good and sets the standard. there, filling in for what Larry Fitzgerald would have been had he stuck around and right down the list, whether even their kicker is Matt Prater now. And it's like, all right, we don't talk kickers on million dollar picks too much, but The anxiety of like, all right, Zane Gonzalez is our kicker and we need him in a big spot here to know that Matt Prater is a guy who's been around for 100 years, still has a big leg and is going to kick and get you that kick. It's like there's stability at every position group. And I, I feel like there's no real holes until this team starts suffering from injuries. And they've had a few with Jones and Hudson, but... They look like they're as good as any team in the NFL right now. And it's funny because you go down like the power rankings list and every website does them. I don't think anyone has them as number one. It's almost like you're reluctant to give this to them because it hasn't been there yet.
0: Yeah, even on DVOA, they're second. And you look at the top five with DVOA. And DVOA now, we have, uh, you can go to Football Outsiders and check it out, but they have, you know, six weeks of evidence now, which is enough. Now, this is like, Week six to 11, I really like DVOA because you can learn stuff about like, what kind of schedule was the team playing. Like KC's played a really tough schedule so far. I think that matters when you're trying mm-hmm. to factor in what happened to them. But DVOA right now, Buffalo first, Arizona second, Rams third, Tampa fourth, Dallas fifth, Baltimore sixth. I think we would have picked those six teams in some order, right? Yeah. I, like nobody's missing from that party. I think those are the six teams that have the best chance to win the title right now.
3: Yeah. And you, you and I talked about it and you and Sal talked about it on Monday. Like you picked those eight before the season and it's kind of interchangeable with seven or eight. I don't think anyone had the Cardinals in that eight. So you're reluctant to, to buy in on them after six weeks. But I think,
0: I I do think we had two NFC West teams. We did. And we assumed it was the Rams and the second one, I think we thought it would have been Seattle or San San Francisco, right? So Arizona grabbed it.
3: Yeah. And, and I think, uh, even around the league, People still are like, well, let's see how Kyler's holding up in November and December. As in, like, he's going to get banged around at some point, and then you're going to see that thing that he does with the shoulder, and you're like, wait a second. Where? Until then, you got to give him the credit where credit's due. And I right. will say, I was one of the. I rolled my eyes at the contract they gave JJ Watt. I thought paying big money for guys like James Conner and AJ Green felt like not desperate, but it felt like, all right, we're just going to collect a bunch of names because in that franchise's history, there is a a visual of Emmett Smith in a Cardinals jersey. There is Mm. a visual of Edron James in a Cardinals jersey. Like It's Uh. been that place where players go to wrap up their career on that final chapter. And yet JJ Watt is healthy. He looks good. AJ Green is healthy. He looks good. Like Those guys are actually playing well.
0: And yet at the same time, I could see us in early December being like, man, remember the Cardinals when they were 6-0 and and then J.J. Watt got hurt and Kyler got banged around. And it, this season, I know they only added one week, but it feels like a substantial week. It really it throws off my clock with this stuff. When you think like, all right, we're six weeks in. it's still 11 more. <laughs> we have 11 to go, <laughs> plus, plus four playoff rounds with more teams in the playoffs. And it's such a long haul. That's why... I'm trying to not get too crazy about the Pats being two and four. They're going to be three and four by Sunday night. Um, and at the same time, you look at the Cards six and zero. Oh, who knows? They could be eight and four in, in sure. six weeks or whatever. I don't feel like there's a lot of cross offs to me. The, the team that I think Seattle, I think, is at a real danger point because of the. We know we're not getting Wilson back anytime soon, and we know that defense has real issues. And I just look at them, and I'm you know Solak and I talked about Jamal Adams on Tuesday mm-hmm. how Solak had this great comparison about could he be the Ben Simmons of football where you have to like figure out a, a a specific way to use him or he can't succeed um Seattle is a team to me that I'm not sure what they do well and it might just not be their year and then you throw in schedule conference things like that is there another team like that for you that we're giving the benefit of the doubt but maybe we shouldn't mm. cuz Seattle would be my pick yeah uh Seattle, obviously, and I think
3: a lot of people would point to the Chiefs and say they don't play. But then I look at the last 16 minutes of that Chiefs-Washington game, and Bill, we had them in our teaser. It was like, oh, something clicked. Like three minutes left in the third quarter, Mahomes hits Tyreek Hill in the back of the end zone, and it makes it 17-10. They win that game 31-10 running away. It felt like it would have been 100. So that's open-ended right now. Yeah, the defense still can't stop anyone. But the Chiefs, it looks like they got their groove, and it came in the sixth week of the season, you know, forty-five minutes into the game. Maybe that's what it took to, for the Super Bowl hangover to, watch, or maybe not. Maybe they just aren't who we thought they were. Um, well, a couple- think about
0: think about this with the Chiefs though, because they are the classic. We're gonna feel dumb in four weeks, probably. Think of like course. played one of the worst one of the hardest schedules so far. They had some bad luck. They had two games they should have won, and they just kind of screwed up. They have 14 turnovers. And I've watched a lot of the Chiefs this year. Five or six of them were just kind of dumb. They were kind of like bad luck turnovers. So they're minus eight with turnovers. But then, Jesus, you look at their offensive stats. Mm. It's still amazing. They have, they they had like their first and first downs. They're like 61% on third down. No, it's Every time they have a third down, they have three and five chance of getting it. Plus the big plays. And uh and I honestly think Darrell Williams is better for them than Edward Solaris. He I looked good last week. I think he's more reliable. And I, I just could see, you know, we we could pivot to that Chiefs Titans game if you want. They're they're four and a half. I think it's probably a stay away, but I want to talk it out because you can make a case that Titans defense, which is not good. They've already lost another person. Uh-huh. And are they ever going to stop the chiefs? Like forget, I know Derek Henry, let's give them, let's give them 240 rushing yards and let's give them two long touchdowns. Does it even matter? Are the chiefs just going to score every time they have the ball?
3: Yeah. And they, they lost, you mentioned uh, the play, They lost Caleb Farley, who was finally on the field. And then they lost Christian Fulton, who is a second year corner. So that's your two corners. They their defensive line has not looked good, and you know if Buffalo and they had the
0: emotional Monday night win, got to factor that in. It was six days, you know, six days before this game.
3: The problem that I have with picking KC or even touching this game is that it is in Tennessee, and it's like if this was an Arrowhead coming off that road win, it's like all right, let's go. I would say I think both teams are going to score points. And I could see this one being an absolute shootout bonanza, one of the fun ones of the weekend. In a game in a week that there's really not many good games, this to me at least is one where we get two big offenses. I think the Chiefs could win, but I also could see the Titans going score for score for score with Kansas City because Kansas City cannot stop anyone. They still can.
0: Well, we have on Fando, there's a bet. You could bet on the Chiefs over 31 points. And yes. it's minus, minus 116. Let's go. That's our first one. It's, Put it well, in the books. Yeah, it's it's a safe one because we're not saying they, they're going to stop the Titans. We're just saying they're going to score probably every time they get the ball. And even if you say they have bad luck on a touchdown that turns into a field goal and they lose four points there, maybe they have a turnover in the red zone. They're going to have the ball seven times, eight times, and they score touchdowns. They're not messing around no, this year. Like, they they are, are scoring touchdowns when they score. And could you see, I don't know, four touchdowns, two field goals? Seems realistic. So it's I enough. like the 31. Yeah.
3: And it's like, you know, Tyreek Hill, He, lead, he he's with Devonte. They lead the league in receptions. Like, it's not like they're not getting their guys involved. Kelsey's been great. They, they have their stars. They still put up points. They don't punt the ball. I like Kansas City to score. Uh, Derrick Henry related. They have had success against him. Now, he ran all over him in the regular season a couple years ago, but in that AFC Championship game when he was on that tear and he lit up the Patriots and he lit up the Ravens and it was like no one could stop him, they held him under 70 yards that game. And it's like, I don't know if that matters two years later. Their defense is even worse than it was that year, but I don't know. Maybe mentally it's like we might get Chris Jones back. We, We have this Nick Bolton who had nine tackles last week that maybe he can do something. Thornhill in for Sorensen. The mere knowledge that Derrick Henry was on a hot streak before we we got the best of him, we could do this again. Maybe that helps, just even mentally.
0: Well, I'll throw this at you: What happens if they that Josh Allen that incredible play when it seemed like he got the first down third and they down. probably should have challenged it on third down, and then all of a sudden he did, and all of a sudden it's fourth down? They run a really stupid QB sneak, in my opinion. Yeah, um, but if they he just gets the first down, if they, I feel like if they marked that correctly and the Bills score. And the Titans lose that game. How do we feel about this Chiefs-Titans game? Now throwing the injuries too. What is the line going to be? I think it's probably Chiefs by seven. So it feels like just those two plays on Monday night kind of shifted everyone. Oh, the Titans, maybe they're back. Derrick Henry's going to run all over the Chiefs. And I all I know is the Chiefs are going to score points in this. They game. are. Uh, Taylor Lewan is out. Julio
3: Jones has a hamstring injury. There's a lot of, a lot of injuries on that. Like It's almost like... Tennessee won that game, but long-term, could they really be feeling that the ramifications of that? Uh, Real quick, because we'll go through all the games, but the Derrick Henry season he's having, um, Mm. I feel like last of a dying breed, the last time we'll ever see this, the way the NFL is going. I just want to appreciate it. I know we said there's 11 weeks left, but he's having like the best season of his career. He's smashing records. He's on pace to have another 2,000-yard season, and this is a time where his contemporaries, the Saquons, the McCaffreys, the Camaras, the Nick Chubbs, they can't stay on the field or they can't do anything. Um, are we not appreciating what he's doing enough or does he get enough appreciation for what he's doing in 2021?
0: Doesn't get enough. Yeah. I. I this leads me to something I was going to throw at you. Chase Stewart on footballperspective.com who does some okay. really good stuff. He did a, a piece about the rushing leaders for 10-year spurts every year over the course of history. So basically like from 84 to 93, from 85 to 94. So it's like the previous 10 years, who led the league the most? From 2011 to 2020, who do you think had the most rushing yards? So just before you answer that, I'll give you some examples. So OJ, Mm -hmm. 1966 to 1975, he's the leader. He was also the leader in the 10-year span, starting in 67, 68, 69, 70, and 71. okay, so pretty six good player. Tra- yeah. yeah, for six straight years, he still had the most. Yeah. Um, Walter Payton was one, two, three, seven years. Dickerson was one, two, three, seven years. Sanders nice. was, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Adrian Peterson was our leader from 17 to 2016. And again, from 08 to 17. LaShawn McCoy wow, oh nine to 2018 and then 2010 to 2019. So who was the leader from 11 to 20? 11 to 20. I would still go Adrian Peterson. Is that wrong? It was Frank Gore. Wow. It was like the biggest wow I've had in 2021. He you would know, have been like my 100th guess.
3: I think he's the fourth all-time leading
0: rusher in NFL history.
3: Quietly, Gore ha- is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Now, I know he hasn't put all the... The Super Bowl championships, but like he's got the numbers. The other interesting one you mentioned is LaShawn McCoy because he's not going to get a lot of Hall of Fame talk when he's up. But at the end of the year, end of his career, he won a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers and the Chiefs. If you want to talk about a ring that like, does a ring matter? Like, does it matter what you did for that team or does having a ring matter? Because he's got two Super Bowl rings and huge numbers as well. And the running back position, which is where I'll go with Derrick Henry here, it's dying. Like the numbers are, they fall off drastically. So I said this on Dan Patrick and I got a lot of feedback of like, don't try to be a hot take guy. It doesn't work for you. But if Derrick Henry never takes a snap again, is he a hall of famer? And everyone says no right away, but he's led the league in rushing twice. He's taken his team to the playoffs twice. And I think in his generation, his time, he was the greatest running back for a nice four year span. If if, If you want to write the history books, he's the best at his position for a nice chunk of time. I don't think it's that crazy to say if he finishes this season with two thousand yards and never plays again, like Derrick Henry might be going to Canton.
0: Terrell Davis was had a similar like if Henry's career stops today, and it, it, Terrell Davis, I thought was one of the five best running backs I've seen in my life, and, and we he had, had to like push him into Canton. He had two Super Bowls, he had the two rings that he was better in the playoffs he just, than he was in the regular season. He, that that was stupid. It took that long. Uh, one thing along your line on Henry. So if you look at this year by year. With how many for the ten year periods? Like Sanders from eighty nine to ninety eight was over fifteen thousand yards. So that's a, the range is thirteen to fifteen. It starts dipping until we get to like you know like the last Tomlinson year was oh three to twelve. It was only ten thousand seven hundred sixty five. The next year, Steven Jackson was oh, yeah. our he ten was, year leader. He was good, uh, but he was he was under eleven thousand two. And then it kind of settles between ten and eleven. Last year was Frank Gore at ninety five eighty six. Okay. So now, when you're talking about the last of a dying breed, Henry, for his career, which started, um, in 2016, he's at 66, 43 already. And if you figure add a thousand that 76, 43. So by next year, assuming he's still good, he'll be our guy for like five years in a row. Yeah. Cause nobody might, else is going to touch that. With the 17 games, which makes
3: it all walk. Like he might even put up more yards. He might put up 2,200 yards if he stays healthy and. I know we always roll our eyes about the player on Instagram who posts the video and is like off season, like I'm going to do a box jump and it's going to, you know, it's going to be the lead segment on good morning football. Check out, you know, Juju Smith Schuster's box jump. And that's what we do. And it's just like, I'm like, all right, they all work out. It's just Derek Henry apparently is like one of these guys that there is nothing in his life other than football. And mm. it's, it's one of those deals where it's, all about like body preservation, how he takes care of his body, dedicates to it. And it's like a very unique lifestyle that he lives. Remember, we used to see the Jerry Rice like with the hills and all that stuff. Like whatever that version is now is Derrick Henry, where like he knows what he's dealing with. He knows the hits he takes. He knows the carries he takes, and he builds his life around that. And apparently, it's not like he's gonna have one of these massive, drastic fallouts beca- fall offs because his body is built and his nutrition is built and his sleep habits are built for the exact style of play that he plays.
0: Sounds Brady-esque. Yeah, the thing is like, he's already defied all the stats we have about, ooh, don't have over 400 carries in a season. You fall off yeah. a cliff. He's like, I'm cool. He has, out of any running back we've had, I think in the last two decades, has captured the experience of watching the guy who's too big for the high school game yeah. just running amok. Yeah. and he's the first NFL guy we've had like that in a long time where it's just like it, it kind of seems unfair sometimes where it's like how the fuck is that safety supposed to tackle him he just who, who else bounces has off him. I
3: don't even know yeah. like who is it? Well, Jim Earl Brown Campbell, highlights yeah Earl Campbell Earl Campbell was
0: like that for a couple years um Bo Jackson like, yeah Bo Jackson
3: yeah
0: Garrett Blunt. no I'm kidding um alright we're gonna take a break and then uh we're gonna do some million dollar picks As always with Shregs, we talk through what we're going to do with million dollar picks. Last week we won five hundred twenty seven thousand dollars. Nice. We hit the Raiders. We had a really fun underdog parlay of Bears Raiders for almost yeah. six to one. The Bears couldn't come through. They tried. Uh, they really did. They gave their did. best, and unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers owns them, as he mentioned. We are up one point five seven million for the season. Since last year, when you started coming on week seventeen, we are up almost seven million bucks. Come on, folks. Yeah, come on. It is true. People, people We're like LeBron. Where's my credit? Where's my respect? Where's my respect? Um, All right, let's start with teasers. The teasers have been good for us. There's a very obvious two-teamer. The Patriots are minus seven against the Jets. We don't need to belabor this one. The Patriots are, I think, going to beat the Jets. It's weirdly a must-win. They can't go two and five. They've already killed the Jets before. I think they've... The schedule they've had throughout the Miami game, the first game and the Jets game, but they've gone toe to toe with mm-hmm. Tampa and Dallas who are two of the six best teams. I think they have a better sense of who they are and what they're good at. And I don't think they're going to mess around whether they win by three, seven, 20. I don't care. I just need them to win by a point. Just 15 seconds. Is there any reason we shouldn't throw them in a the tease?
3: No. in the way they play, they'll beat inferior teams. It's just going to be tough to beat. Great teams because they play so conservatively on offense and they just hang around. and they, They're not going to beat many teams by 30 points, but I, I think they'll beat the Jets straight up,
0: yes. Yeah. Um, all right, so we got that. Packers are minus seven and a half against Washington. That line might have moved a little bit. I don't love this Packers team. And now it's gotten to the point where the Packer fans are like, you don't like Rodgers. It's like, well, he was kind of a diva this year, but I like money way more than whatever feelings (laughs) I might have about a certain player. I'm just like, I thought they could have lost the Bengals game. I don't think there has been a... You know, when they have a team on the ropes, they can kind of finish it. But I haven't seen like an ass kick game like what the Ravens played with the Chargers last mm-hmm. week. We haven't seen that from them from a really good team. Their schedule hasn't been that great. That line is still seven and a half. OK, um, this is more a bet to me against the the Washington Deadskins. Talk about it.
3: I agree with you. They They just look so lifeless after having that early lead on the Saints and then the early lead on the Chiefs. They fell apart so quickly in the second half, and in the third and fourth quarter that she's, and I know it's the Chiefs, but like that defense, we've talked about it for now. Weeks, like, I don't know if, if it's a Jack Del Rio thing, who's calling the plays. I don't know if it's, if it's the players, like, but that defense looks unrecognizable to last year's defense.
0: And I don't well, know Well, think if about this. Fixed. They're two plays away from 0-6. I know. They beat the Giants by one. What the guy missed the field goal, right? Was a, uh,
3: we had an offsides from a three hundred and forty pound defensive lineman on a field goal that
0: gave him a second yeah. shot. Yeah. All right. So there's one. Their other win was that ridiculous Atlanta game. Yeah. That they should have lost. They have, I think, a top three worst quarterback situation in the league. I'm going to admit defeat on Heineke. He was frisky enough that I was like, ah, oh, maybe. But Fitzpatrick's out, so from a quarterback standpoint, disaster. Uh, they haven't had anyone rush for. Over 70 yards since week one. Um, from a point standpoint, they've had some trouble, except for, unless they're playing Atlanta or the Giants, who have not great defenses. But their defense, everyone's like, oh, and we've talked about this before. Yeah, Chase Young's really good. I'm glad he's on the team. But they can't cover anybody. And it just seems like this could be a surgical Rodgers, just, you know, this game is 28-3 to by halftime, and we're wondering if Ron Rivera's in trouble.
3: Yeah, and there's a little bit of a does Bakhtiari get back? Does Marquez Valdez Scantling? Mm. like that's all coming. Like the like the Rodgers Packers have not looked crisp in their victories, and yet they're five and one and they're getting guys back, like dogs. So I feel like this, you know, to even be at this point for the Packers, I would expect them to have lost a couple of these games with all the injuries they've had. They're still hanging. I think this could be one of those games where you're right, Bill. I I see them winning big on Washington, and it might not even be close. My
0: fear is it looks too easy, so we're That's, just going to acknowledge that and move on. Pat's Packers looks really easy to me, and the Easy Tease has been winning pretty much every week. So I'm it. just I'm acknowledging it. I'm marking. It. Well, I got something else to throw at you. A third team. Sal and I we're we're marking down Pat's Jets. We're doing that. So Sal and I were joking on uh, Sunday night about because there's two huge lines, right? We have the Cardinals are favored by seventeen and a half over the Texans. The Rams are favored by 15 and a half over the Lions, which in my opinion is actually too high. I was like, wow, I wish we could do a 16 point tease on (laughs) FanDuel. And FanDuel was like, you know, our friends at FanDuel, they were like, well, you can go up to 14 points. Did you know? And I was like, I did it. I didn't know there was a 14 point tease. So if we did a 14 tease with the Pats, Packers, Cards, and Rams, 14 pointer, we could get minus two twenty three, so we'd basically yeah. have to do two hundred twenty three thousand to win a hundred, whatever it is. Yeah, um, we would move the Pats to plus seven, Packers okay. to plus six and a half, Cards to minus three and a half, and then Rams to minus one and a half. All of them would have to cover and win. We could also throw the Chiefs in. Ooh, they're minus four and a half. We could throw them in. Now we're getting. Plus nine and a half with the Chiefs, and we're yeah. getting better odds. Now we're getting minus 177, so our odds drop. Those okay. are the only five I could see. I didn't know if we want to take a flyer it's on fun. this just for fun.
3: It's fun. and people, I know. Listen, you-,
0: you love fun gambling.
3: People will be rooting against us, which is always fun, too. Um, Cardinals, three and a half. Still seems like that's not like – I think they'll win. Do you feel good that they'll be the Texans by at least four? I would hate for that to be the – like for the Cardinals to win by a field goal and us lose on that. You know what I mean?
0: It's in Arizona. We still don't have Taylor, right? Tyrod's not playing this week? No. No, no. Has he been attacked by the Chargers Doctor again or no? <laughs> so. If if he's gonna play, we'll get the Chargers Doctor to go after him. Um, yeah, I just are the cards gonna is that gonna be a three point game? Texans no, cards? I think I think the cards
3: actually put up a fifty burger on him. <laughs> I think they right. right. this is JJ Watt and DeAndre Hopkins against the Texans. I'm like, uh, all right, I think they're gonna want to win that one. I, I think this goes
0: big. So we can put in the Chiefs and and bring them to plus nine and a half, and we could just go minus 177. We'll put, I don't know, we could put 200K on that. And if we lose, we lose 177 times two. All right. Just so for do- fun. I love just this, for fun. Bill. Are,
3: are you kidding? I love this. This is why we do this. I say, Pat's Packers in one bucket. and then Yeah, I that's, another- that's going to be a bigger one. And then another
0: one where we do this crazy sixteen point whatever you got going on. I can't. Is there up. any other team you would throw in for giving them fourteen points? Some nominees. I'm
3: looking. Let's hear. We could
0: uh, we could have the Bears getting twenty six and a half points. <laughs> we could also have the Bucks getting one and a half points. So, Ooh. but the the risk would be the Bears beating the Bucks. Yeah. Um, what about the Raiders and the Eagles? So, you'd have the Raiders getting 11 points? Are we ready to believe in the Raiders or is that like? Oh, you're not ready to. So, w- w- who are you believing on that one? I was going to say,
3: is like, do you think the Eagles can keep it within two scores of the Raiders in a game? I don't know. I'd stay away from that for now, but it's something to consider. Eagles aren't terrible and the Raiders are coming off that really emotional win. I don't know. Let's, let's stay away. Let's just go with what you, what you had. I like what you had.
0: Well, let's talk it out, though. We could do the... Uh, there's yeah, Ra- yeah, all right. stay The Raiders, you're right. Stay away. Um, Ravens, we could bring the plus seven and a half. I'm not touching that one.
3: Bengals are really good, man.
0: <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Well, we'll mark that down. We don't have a six team. At some point, the six team would be great because then we could get the odds down to like minus 125. Okay. So keep that in mind for future yeah. things. Um, all right. Straight up. We have Chiefs over 31 points. We're going to go with that. Love that. So I agree with you. I think Bengals-Ravens is a stay away. I -hmm. I had Bengals marked down for underdog parlay of the week. The Bengals are getting six and a half points. They're getting plus 220. Everyone is delighted by this Ravens team. It's the classic scenario of they looked awesome last week. Okay. Well, Chargers really a little banged up on defense, and it was also a terrible matchup for them. Um. I didn't love the stuff they do. I don't, what is going on with them? Why don't they just throw to Keenan Allen all the time? <laughs> like when is Keenan Allen just not wide open? I know. I, not, like free Keenan Allen. They were always like trying to, Oh, let's get this guy. Let's go. Oh, we'll get Parham a pass. It's Parham. Like, how about this idea? Just throw it to Keenan Allen. He's open all the time. Let's get or do Jared jump Cookenhold. balls to Mike Williams. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but anyways, it was a weird game. I didn't, I thought the Ravens got ahead and once they have a 10 point lead, they're just death. That's you it. Know? That's it, and everyone takes it as like insulting when you're like, "Well, they're better
3: when they're in the lead than from behind." And it, it's the way they play. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a rolling ball downhill. That's just what they do. So once you get a lead on a team when you play the way they do, it's suffocating because you will not get the ball back. The Bengals, we took the Lions last week on the expectation there would be a letdown. Nope. They blew out the lot. Like they're good.
0: Well, you know, you know where is they're their good. Biggest game in years. Their defense. Dude. Is actually good. I know the stats back it up. The eye test backs it up. They're fast. They play with real pizzazz. It's one of those when they're on defense, they make a play. You see everybody in the sideline, you know, running out yeah. in the field with their fists up, stuff like that. And that's why I, I think they're a better play for underdog parlay of the week for uh Bengals plus two twenty. 20. Like if we're taking that, I'm going in, I, I I'm taking them to win. I'm not the plus six and a half. Cause there's a world there. The Ravens get the lead and, but if this is like a three-point game last last quarter, they could, you know, Chase yeah. could make a big play. I thought um, on the gambling show on Wednesday, Solak and Sharp talked about this a little, and they mentioned how Chase has been running amok against these teams that don't have a cornerback remotely resembling somebody like Humphrey. The Ravens yep. could just be like, we're taking Chase out, yeah. go and somewhere Humphrey's, else.
3: Humphrey's arguably the most physical c-
0: yeah. corner in the league, and he could just body him up. Um So that part worries me with the Bengals. And but I think their defense can keep them in the game.
3: Yeah. And why not? And Cincinnati, like we had Trey Hendrickson, who's their defensive end, who is a big free agent signing and has five and a half sacks is playing well. You get the feeling like this, they haven't, since Cincinnati has changed from Marvin Lewis, does that they haven't had a big game? This is their first big game. It's actually the only game on the slate this week of two winning teams. Like, I think it's the game of the week. I don't think they lay an egg. I really don't. I think they show up. They might not win, but they're going to keep that one competitive, I would think.
0: All right. So we'll keep them. We'll we'll consider them for underdog parlay. Bears plus 12 and a half against the Bucks. I'm bringing this up for this reason. Well, first of all, I don't think the Bears are bad. Like, I I actually think they have I would say somewhere between a good and a very good defense. Sometimes it looks very good. Other times good, but it's, it's always at least good. I like the fact that fields, I just, I just have liked what I've seen from him. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be able to run the ball this game. There's a chance this one gets away. The only reason I mention this is I think this line is too high. I think this line should be like bucks, nine and a half. And you're getting three free points with the bears I'm just not sure I want them because this does feel like a game. If the Bucks went up early and it's 10 0 or 13 3. Like the Atlanta game. Yeah, they they hang around and yeah. And now the Bears have to start throwing every down. I don't trust that they're gonna be able to do that. I, I will say the the Bucks secondary. It's not like this is getting better for them. No, it's not. So can the can the my question for you is can the Bears throw on them? Because if they can throw on them, there's at least garbage touchdown potential. There's at least 34, 17 bears have the ball late. Maybe they can sneak one in. I think this line's too high. Fields is getting better and better
3: every week. And, uh, you know, the guys in Chicago will tell you that he's also getting more vocal every week where Mm. he wasn't timid, but he was kind of like, I'm going to watch and learn. And, you know, and now it's like, he's starting to step into that role as like, all right, everyone get around me. I'll take, the thing with Tampa is they can just score so quickly. Remember that Miami game a couple of weeks ago? It was in Tampa. It was hot. It was early. And it was like, gosh, like you want to take Miami a little bit because they could, no. And Tampa just, it's A-B. It's Evan. It's, the games in Tampa scare me because they seem to roll up points in those games. And this is one of those where I'm not sure that they just put a, you know what? I'm wishy-washy with you.
0: I would say, I think the Bears can keep it within
3: 12 points. I do think
0: that. So Chicago's got the seventh defense in DVOA. Yeah. Here's who they're they not, played. They're better
3: than the Dolphins. That's insulting for me to say that even.
0: Here, well, here's who they played for six weeks. The Rams, mm-hmm. where McVay broke out the kitchen sink a couple times. Yep. The Bengals, good, good explosive offense, held them to 17 points. The Browns, everyone was healthy at that point for them. The Lions, that was their one easy win. They played Las Vegas, only uh, only gave up nine. And they played Green Bay last week. Green Bay got to 24. Um, but, I, you know, I, I, they made them work in that game. I think they have a good defense. And they have the kind of defense that they can push forward. They can make Brady. And they'll, they'll hit him a couple times. I think it's a kind of weirdly important game for them. Because I think the Bears think they're pretty good. No, and they're
3: still three and three. They're not. Yeah, they're not out of six. this. They're in this thing. Nine and all eight right.
0: might be the 17, too. So, all right. So, we both think that line's too high. Let's just, we'll take the 12 and a half. They're not going to, do I don't think they're going to win, but uh, Ra- Raiders are minus three against the Eagles. What do you think of that? I, I fear a, a, a dip. And I know Raiders fans would say, well, F
3: you, like we, we just came into Denver and beat them based on what we had last week. Like, we're good. I think they're, I just, I need another couple of weeks of the Raiders to see because two weeks ago and Gruden was still the coach and it was before all that stuff, the bears went in there and beat them 20 to nine. Like, I, I wouldn't touch this game. If anything, I kind of like the Eagles in this one, just Eagles playing for everything in the hurt situation. I don't know if you saw the Philly Inquirer had a big article like time to start Joe Flacco and that's oh, already no, happening. Over yeah. Minshew? <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Not even over hurts over <laughs> Minshew. Free <laughs> Minshew. Um. But the feeling is this they have three first round picks next year. They have the Colts pick, the Dolphins pick, their own pick. Right now, those picks, I think, would be like two, six, and 15. Mm. You either package all that together and you trade for Rodgers or you trade for Russell Wilson or you trade for Watson or you package it all together. You get whatever college quarterback you want, unless Hertz wins these games and makes it an argument like we can win with Hertz. Why don't we? use those picks for pieces around him. So I feel like there's a desperation here for the Eagles. I fear a a huge emotional win last week for the Raiders and a letdown this week. I would either pick the Eagles or I would stay away from the Raiders just on how I've seen these things go year after year of emotional win. Let's win one for this. And then the next week, like, oh shit, how do we sustain?
0: Can I do a counter? Yeah, please. Do the Eagles care about this season? Because you just laid out the case and Ben Solak did too when he was on here the other day where it's like, you know, they're playing 35 million less in cap space than everyone else. This was supposed to be a borderline tank season. They're obviously playing Hurts, even though he's not their best QB and just kind of seeing is there something here or is there not? I don't think Flacco's the best QB. I think Mitchu is. I would die <laughs> on that hill. And I read some Raider stuff that was pretty insightful. Like Josh Jacobs had a coach. Who's the new coach? Who's the interim coach guy? What's his Rich
3: name? Rich Basaccia
0: And he was like, look, there's just a calmness on the sidelines that I think really helped us and instead of just having somebody screaming at you like mm. we just went about our business. I was like, oh, that's like a tangible thing. Like they didn't like Gruden. And that was what we were hoping for when we took the Raiders last week. It was like, maybe, they, maybe Gruden's completely overrated. Maybe they didn't like him. Well, it's yeah. clear from the stuff that's come out, they didn't really like him. So I wonder, um, maybe this is for real and maybe this is kind of the, the, a fuck you tour for the Raiders could be.
3: And then I'll be glad to, to roll with them. The, the word I got, and it comes from good sources is that like, it felt like there was what's like, not a stink, but like when the first few days they were all freaked out and upset and angry and confused. And then. Once it settled in that like, wait, he's gone. You got to realize Gruden was in every room, every position mm. group in the front office. He had input on every draft selection. Mayock, the GM. Gruden let his opinion heard. And sometimes scouts would put a year worth of reports together and the draft would come around and Gruden would be like, ah, I'm doing this. Like, well,
0: so, what about the stuff where he was on a different floor than Mayock when they were doing the draft? That was like, Jesus. So you, like, know, so you don't even have an inner circle. It's just you. And And you're like the Lord of the, of the territory.
3: And he was empowered with all that, where everything to the way they travel, the way like things that should not necessarily, I was told besides Belichick and maybe even including Belichick, Gruden had his fingerprints in more things around this franchise. And so when he leaves, the initial reaction is like, oh shit, how are we going to function without him? And what happens is we're all professionals. And when people leave, other people step up and yes, they stepped up on the field and played emotionally. But now it's like other coaches are like, wait a second. I can coach without looking over my shoulder. Players are like, I can make a mistake and not have to fear going to the sideline. That could be really liberating. And that could be something that carries this team throughout the season. That said, this team was built in the Gruden mold. This team was buying in on the Gruden stuff. And I'd I just I'd like to give it one more week before saying that they're just going to go on some tour, you know, run right now.
0: All right, we're going to stay away, and then I'm going to end up betting this on Sunday. The more You'll I think it. about it. You'll yeah. do it with Henshin oh, yeah, on the other text I can't teams. resist. That's what happened with the Vikings last week. I ended Never. up betting the Vikings, and it was a freaking roller coaster. I couldn't do we, it. You, we we didn't do it a Million Dollar Picks. By Sunday, I was like, ah, Vikings, minus two. Panthers, Giants. Giants are plus three against the Panthers in Carolina. I continue to think the Panthers uh, aren't that good. They are getting, is Gilmore officially back this week? He, he's on the team. He's practicing.
3: I'm not sure if he's going to play though yet. They're still waiting on the quad. But as of Thursday, he was in uniform practicing, wearing number nine.
0: Right. I think it's a stay away. I just didn't know if you felt frisky at all about the Giants.
3: The only thing about the Giants, and it wouldn't be a pro Panthers thing by any means, although Darnold looked good in that final drive finally last week. Um, mm. you know, the The Giants fan base is so low on this team right now. Like, Mm. I came in week one and I'm like, there's a 9 11 tribute. The Giants have this hype. The Giants crowd is going to lift them. But, like, no fan base is maybe downer on their team than the Giants fans right now. They brought out the uh, 2011 Super Bowl team at halftime last week where they were down 20 points and they were booze. And it's not because they don't love those guys. It's like, stop drenching us in this nostalgia. Like, all the not every halftime has to be bringing out the teams from the last two Super Bowl championships. And they're going to be doing it again November 28th when Strahan's jersey's retired. But there's this feeling of exasperation from Giants fans. And I'm not sure if this thing, the Panthers get up 7 nothing early, if it's one of those games where, and Jets fans have felt it, Giants fans have felt it time and time again, where that fan base, it goes from being annoyed to being angry. And it's no way to play a football game for a team.
0: We had that with the Celtics in the mid-90s when the team just wasn't good anymore. And it was like the first, you know, it was kind of shocking. They'd been good for almost 14, 15 years in a row. Plus the Russell legacy and Cowans and Havoczek. All of a sudden we weren't. And we, and when Reggie Lewis died, we didn't have even a star player. And it was the nostalgia stuff over and over again. It was like Larry Bird night, Kevin, Kevin McHale night, Robert Parrish night, uh, Reggie Lewis night. And then it was like the, the end of the garden, everyone's coming back. And then it's like new building. And, and it was just, at some point you hit this saturation thing where you're like, all right, cool. Can we, yes. can we Can we? figure out like going forward what we look like versus like, you know, it's just standing ovations for guys in their mid forties. Uh,
3: all due respect to Amani Toomer and Hakeem Nix. Like it, yeah. the Giants fan is done. Like I, I don't need yeah. to see Victor Cruz's salsa again. Like we get <laughs> it. So like it, they are done with it. So this game has that sneaky, smelly feeling of like. Mm. We'll stay away exasperated Giants fan. And that's the story coming out of this game of of like the Giants being booed at home. One of those deals.
0: Colts plus four against the 49ers. I'm not sure if Jimmy G is playing. I I think it's a stay away. Um, I almost feel like I even had it on the board just because we have fewer games. But (laughs) to me, this is a, I'm going to actually watch this game carefully and figure out my feelings on each team because I haven't watched enough of each team yet. They have not really made the four TV wall that many times <laughs> for that many minutes. Um, and then the last one, Seahawks plus five and a half against the Saints. Yeah. This is in Seattle. And we are now officially at this, and we see this happen in the football every year where the team gets the respect because of the past performance yeah, stuff the, and the pedigree. The logo. Yeah. But now we're at the point where if they lose this game, they're now one of like the six or seven worst teams in the league.
3: And the Jets and- have their
0: first round pick because of the Jamal Adams trade. Which leads me to the plus five and a half. It's like, they're not going to tank. They they don't have a first-round pick. We have to win. It's like the Saints are that great. But you look at some of Seattle's, their defense is 32nd in yards given up. They're less than 33% on third down. And you feel it when you're watching them. It's just yeah. really hard for it's them to struggle. move the ball. They'll get some big plays, but they, they're this is not a 15-play drive team. And they just kind of seem caught between a couple different eras. And getting old in some spots, made the wrong bet in some other spots. I, I, I think it's probably a stay away. I didn't know if you wanted to make a case for them. They've lost two games. Now the Titans one
3: and the Rams one at home, which is so odd for them before even Halloween with the 12s and all that. So now saints come in. Your only reason is that you would say that the saints, this is not do or die for the saints. And for the Seahawks, it's like, this is it, you know, you're not going two and five and making the playoffs in that loaded NFC. But if you have a choice to stay away, like we, we bet on, we picked the Seahawks last week and they were, they fought their asses off. They can but didn't it feel like such a struggle just to even get to overtime that when they eventually yeah. lost to the Steelers, we were like, they weren't winning this game. There was no way they were winning. This it was game. really
0: Ben was our best asset in that pick. And that was what the biggest reason we probably made it. But Ben kept us in that game just cause you know, he's, He's done at this point so we should move them into the underdog parlay section I think yes let's Seahawks are plus 188 so our underdog parlays this week Bengals plus 220 Colts are plus 172 against the Niners and the Seahawks like are plus 188 against the Saints when we come back the million dollar picks for week seven give us one let's go I know Let's the, the, the let's go <laughs> critic was in your head the guy who was the guy on Twitter who said you did let's go eight times you have a let's go, go critic now Let's go. <laughs> All right. We'll be back in one second. All right. We talked it out. Even talked it out over the break a little bit. Trying to uh, trying to figure out some odds. The million dollar picks for week seven. To recap, we are up 1.57 million for the season. Five of six winning weeks. Our MVP has been Greg Butler, who single- Greg Joseph. Greg Joseph. Greg Joseph and Greg Butler. Greg Joseph is our MVP. He swung two games for us. And now the billion dollar picks for week seven. Give me one. Give me one. Let's go. (laughs) Teaser. Packers minus seven and a half. Patriots minus seven. We are going to tease those two together. The Pats have to beat the Jets by one. The Packers have to beat Washington by one and a half. Putting 600. Oh, yeah. 600,000 on that one. We're not done with the Pats and Packers either because Fanduel has five team teasers. For minus 177, 14-point teases. We're just going to do it. We're going to give it a test drive. We're hopping in the car. Pats, minus seven. Packers, minus seven and a half. Cards, minus 17 and a half. Rams, minus 15 and a half. Chiefs, minus four and a half. We are teasing all of those games by 14 points. Pats, plus seven. Okay. Packers, plus six and a half. Cards, minus three and a half. Rams, minus one and a half. Chiefs. Plus nine and a half, all the math to cover. Minus 177. Warren Sharp is having a heart attack. Oh, uh, he, there's points he's, left off. You guys didn't do this right. No, he's so upset that we're doing this. This is such a bad idea. We're doing it anyway. <laughs> and and we're going to try to win 200K on that. And if we lose, we lose uh, 354,000. So just marking that down. Okay, straight up. Got two bets Chiefs. The Chiefs will score. Mm hmm. More than 31 points, minus 116, we're going to put $200,000 on I like this. It. That, that's,
3: that's a carefree 32 bet. and up, we Three win.
0: 31 is a push. Okay. We think, what? how many points do you think they'll score against the Titans? If you had to guess, 40? 42. 42, okay. Feeling good about that. Bears. We both kind of like this Bears line. Plus 12 and a half against the Bucks. We think it's too high. We think it should be minus nine. Yeah, or minus nine and a half, something like that. Instead, it we're getting we're getting all these extra points. Good defense, top seven DVOA. We think they hang around, and we also think because of the Bucks' secondary, there's some garbage time potential. Sure, for the Bears, maybe a Khalil Herbert action. Yeah, Let's go. who knows? Okay, so we're putting 200k on that underdog parlay of the week. We're getting ambitious. We haven't won one of these since week one. Now, there's reasons for this. The underdogs have not been winning. It's not like we're picking the wrong ones. No. We just haven't seen the underdogs. We like to concentrate on the ones between like four points and eight points.
3: The same reason we're winning all these teases every single week is why we're not winning the underdog parlays.
0: Good point. Well said. <laughs> Raiders, last week we had, we needed the Bears to cooperate. Aaron Rodgers said, you forgot I pay rent on those guys. Mm-hmm. Well, this week we're going to do a mix and match of three teams we like. The Bengals, to win outright against the Ravens. The Colts to win outright against the Niners. And the Seahawks to save their season against the Saints. Here's what we're doing. 33K each on Bengals Colts plus 808. Okay, Bengals Seahawks plus 783. Colts Seahawks plus 684. So if two of those three win, we're golden. If they all <laughs> lose, we lose 99,000. If you had
3: asked me in August and September, would you ever bet on a Carson Wentz, Geno Smith parlay? I would say I would stay away, but Bill, it's week seven. I'm here for it.
0: I'm in. And I got to be honest, it's a little irrational confidence from us this week because we've been doing well. (laughs) We we have a five team tease and we have a ridiculous three different versions of an underdog parlay hoping to hit two (laughs) instead of just betting all those teams straight up. That's why you come to the million dollar picks and those were the million dollar picks. For week seven, Peter Schrager, we'll see you on Good Morning Football. We will see you on uh, on Fox on Sunday as well. And uh, I will see you next week, my friend.
3: I'll be texting you from the
0: airplane on Sunday, freaking out as always. <laughs> One of my favorite traditions. All right. It's see great. you next week. All right. My friend David Chang is here. Just seeing him makes me hungry. Every time we're together, I'm usually eating. This time we're, we're both wearing headphones and staring at each other on a Zoom. You're... In some city, promoting the new Hulu show. What's the new Hulu show? The Next Thing You Eat. And uh, yes, I am in New York City. I have
2: not been here in a while, and it's good to be back.
0: How's New York City? What's it looking like these days?
2: It feels like pre-pandemic, but obviously not. It's like 10% like away from being back to normal normal, which was mm. a lot different. Yeah, it's, New York's awesome. It's not going anywhere. It's, um,
0: it's good to be back. Really good to be back. Well, don't get, don't like it too much. I need you in LA. (laughs) (laughs) You're one of the few people I still eat with. Um, (laughs) All right. So your new Hulu show, just describe it in 30 seconds, and then we can move on to making fun of Dan Snyder.
2: Yeah. Well, we are taking a look at what's around the corner in food, right? All of these changes and, and uh, trying to find the hope that's in food, in culture, how technology is making things better and worse and, trying to ask ourselves what it all means. And it's out streaming on Hulu now.
0: I have an idea for you. We're go- you and I are going to make this together because you, you like making products now. Yeah. Pizza. A thing that we all eat and you never finish it and you put it in your fridge, right? And there's always like the two or the three slices left. And we've never figured out the perfect way to reheat that pizza so it can match the magic of the initial 20 minutes after you order the pizza, right? So the options are microwave it, it's gonna suck. You get a fork, it's a little gooey, but it's still kind of fun. Eat it cold, like Sylvester Stallone did in Cobra, where he cuts it with the scissors, which I, I always appreciated. We talked about that in Rewatchables recently. Or, preheat the oven, get the oven nice and toasty. But now I need like, you need like a pizza stone, now I need to buy stuff. If you put it in the toaster, It will melt on the metal part of the toaster. and Then you smell it for like a month after, which I may or may not have done recently. And my wife's still pissed about it, but I do like the smell of burnt pizza. Here's, here's what we need. A pizza toaster. It's a toaster, but you can put the slices in, but it's got some space. So it doesn't like fall over and melt on anything, but it's not like the pizza oven that the the traditional one, the little mini one, because I don't really like those either. A pizza toaster. That that is perfectly it's it's triangle size so the slices go in, and yet it's not melting on anything. And I put it in and it bakes it correctly. Your thoughts? Um, I want to almost ask Kyle, what
2: am I supposed to respond? I don't, I don't I don't know what to do. And I think Kyle, like this is this is at on one hand total insanity uh, of an idea, and also maybe useful for two or three people. Bill Simmons being one of them. <laughs> That's so. <laughs> thumbs down. I'm out. Shark Tank. I'm out. I've been kicked out of the Shark Tank room. It, it, a toaster oven's going to be just fine. I, I don't think you're going to find somebody, or who knows, right? If you go online and you search for culinary gadgets, you're going to find the dumbest shit out there. So, I don't want to say this is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. It could really be useful, but you have things out there that can work. Toaster. You're right. So just put it on a tray. Put it on some aluminum foil. But I think most people seem to have air fryers these days. Air fryer is an amazing. Air fryer. Yeah. Yeah. And I hate the air fryer. I don't, I will never own one, but I know that it reheats pizza extremely well.
0: Yeah. Kyle, can you pop on for one second? Kyle, you've, you've had some leftover pizza in your fridge from time to time. If you had the pizza oster or whatever <laughs> we call it, you wouldn't use this. You wouldn't have this in your house.
2: I gotta be honest. The, toaster oven changed my life. I don't even use the
1: oven. If it, if it can't fit in the toaster oven, I'm not even cooking it anymore.
0: Yeah. I mean, so that basically I should basically a toaster oven is the way to go. I just feel like for some reason, I feel like they're a fire hazard. And, and maybe it's because I had them in college and we had the cheap ones and they literally were a fire hazard and almost set our apartment on fire. But I always like worry about they're like space heaters to me where I always feel like there's something about an oven in a little tiny space heating to 500 degrees makes me nervous they're amazing my my one regret about where i'm living right
2: now is there's no space for a toaster oven but i think a toaster oven is one of the great culinary
0: inventions of the past 100 years all right, got, you're to right. be, got to be got to be got to be better for the pizza bagels all right you shit on my pizza toaster idea what uh what is what is the food of the year we have 2 months left what's what's been the biggest kind of trendy fun, invigorated, comeback? What What is it?
2: Well, for me, now living in Los Angeles, living near Glendale, I've been eating extraordinary amounts of kebabs, m- mainly Armenian kebabs. And uh. I need to, I need to fold you into this because this is some of the best in class eating in all of Los Angeles. It is. I mean, I don't know why people don't talk about it. Maybe people do talk about it enough, but, you know, it, it's unreal. Mini kebab, Hamlet's Kitchen, there's like, 1500 places literally that you can get some of the best food in the greater los angeles area but i think one of the my my prediction overall is you're going to see more peruvian spots oh yeah. interesting yeah it's the food of peru of peru uh a lot of the new restaurants i think are going to be like messing around with making that a little bit more popular and and i i it's one of the few areas of the world that i, I know very little about but i know that it's like a merger of like so many different parts of
0: the world in terms of cuisine, and it's delicious. One of the great things about the kebab is that you can recreate the kebab experience if you have the right grill and the right ingredients. You can get to like eighty percent of what the best restaurant could. Yeah, no way! A nice thing. No way! Why? I All disagree.
2: Right. That's no Explain. way. Come on. Man, you get out of You've never had my wife's there. kebabs.
0: All right, seventy percent. Uh, no, no. I Why?
2: absolutely disagree. There's what? no what? way i I think you I think your wife is an extraordinary person and a great cook but even i there's no way you can get close to like these kebab masters there's there's no way you can't do it you can't do it I can't get to seventy percent
0: of an awesome kebab. could you
2: be seventy percent of Jason Tatum on
0: a basketball court well last night no. I could have been when he was <laughs> four for wow. thirty. Man, what a what a bad game for you guys! Holy hell! All right, tell um, me what the tell me what the kebab masters. What are they doing differently? No,
2: I think what first of all it's the grinding of the meat, the the hand chopping. It's the selection of spices. It's the lavash. It's the grilling. It's it's again. It's <clears throat> seems simple, but it's deceivingly complex. So I just suggest you go there. One of the things I've learned and discovered about kebabs, it delivers extremely well. It was one of the best delivered foods or takeaway foods you can get. I really, I did not know this until the beginning of the pandemic. I have had more kebabs than probably any other food in the past 18 plus months. I remember
0: in the early stages of the pandemic, we talked about this foods that, uh, delivery foods, because it was clear we were just getting delivery stuff and about what, what plays well, what doesn't and how like chicken Parmesan for some reason. Always play it as a delivery food. Other things didn't. Fish is always a little dicey. You just never know. You um, can't get fish delivered. You cannot get fish delivered. Sushi yeah. is pretty solid and reliable, I think. Well, you know, a
2: specific kind of sushi. We talk a lot about this in the Hulu show. Most people that eat sushi, I think, think of it as uh, just maki rolls and California rolls and spicy tuna. Rolls. I eat the shit out of that. But for whatever reason, it delivers really well. Sugarfish. Uh, I don't know. I think one of the most delivered foods in New York and LA is probably sushi. Would you have guessed 20 years ago that people would be eating raw fish? No way.
0: No, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when we were confused by sushi, why, when people would order it, like, wait a second, that's going to go bad. Are you going to get a bacterial infection? You know, and then eventually then you just give your, my stepmother was the first person. She would eat sushi Put it in the fridge. What she didn't eat, and for the next four days, would continue to eat it. And my dad and I would be like, "What? A, you're gonna like? They're gonna be yeah. removing all of your intestines?" But she was always yeah. fine. That's not something you should
2: do. But <laughs> I agree. Also, but 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 people need to know sushi is a lot of uh, mi- not misinformation, but a lot of sushi is age. A lot of fish in sushi restaurants is not fresh. In the yes, it's fresh, but it's age. And this is where we go, Bill. I know you're anti dry aged meat. A lot of the best sushi is
0: dry aged as well. You just don't know it. I, I think, first of all, anti dry aged meat is a typical mischaracterization from you. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, and
2: Cho are anti. You guys, I, you guys are I, like, just, I just feel the, like I wouldn't are say just, equivalent like anti vaxxers of dry aged beef, but you're like in that universe. You guys oh, don't I like, like dry aged beef. Yeah.
0: I like that. We're the anti vaxxers of dry aged meat. Well, here's here's my case. It they it, they just add fifty dollars to whatever the total of the steak is, and then it most of the time is going to give you diarrhea afterwards. And everybody's like, "Oh, delicious!"
2: It uh, is delicious. And I only had diarrhea for three knows. hours. And Bill literally said he wasn't an anti vaxxer of beef, but clearly, if you just listen to what he said, he is it's, the anti vaxxer of dry aged beef. It just you, just are you, just own it, just own it.
0: It's fine. But, by the way, this is what we do. Every time Chang and I see each other, we argue about food. For so, Does anyone annoy you more with their food opinions than me? Or is there anybody else in your life? Bill Simmons is the only person I know of that has
2: goaded me, goaded me into putting a menu, a dish on the menu because he figured
0: out how to <laughs> how, how to get me to do things against my wishes. There's there i see, I take credit for the mac and cheese thing you did too for major domo i f- I felt like I challenged you there too, when I was telling you how good my mac no, and cheese was, which no, 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 it really don't. is delicious.
2: i will never i'm not falling for your games <laughs> anymore no 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 I'm not falling for those games you you got me on the french fries, and that's it. That's where the buck stops. You actually have a dish named after you at major domo b s fries
0: that's that's it you, well the you, mo- you, you've reached the pinnacle i and I'm very proud. One of the things you did for me during the pandemic, and this was really from your uh, from your other show where you talked about the power of Domino's, which reinvigorated the Simmons family with Domino's. And, it's, and this is not an ad, by the way. They're not sponsoring it. Domino's, just really reliable. Even in the pandemic, they're there in 28 minutes. You can really tell you what, and it just comes and it's solid and it just does the job. It's like a reliever coming in just. Striking out the side, taking you to the eighth inning.
2: I, I, I mean, everyone's like, "Oh, Domino's must have paid you." If I was no. smart enough, yeah, I would have done that. But no, I, I grew up eating Domino's, and that's why we talked about pizza. It's, is like you can really sort of judge somebody about what kind of pizza you say you like. And if my first pizza I've ever had in my life was Domino's, and I think I think it's delicious, you can't like talk shit about it. I, it's a nostalgia thing. And here's the other thing. It comes extremely fast. I think I do try to temper this by trying to buy pizza from local shops. But every once in a while, I do sprinkle in a Domino's for sure. Yeah.
0: And it's nice and hot. I think in general, the fast food places have gotten better, you know, much like anything else, much like at basketball. We got better at figuring out shoot more three pointers. You'll score more points, stuff like that. There's stuff like some of the McDonald's stuff from time to time. My son will make us go to McDonald's. Like some of their stuff, the spicy chicken—it's just really good. It's really tasty for fast food. I know, I know. It's it's hard for me. I to, get it. To, You're comparing it to like the greats, but just for a serviceable whatever. Joe House was talking recently about how his son's out of McDonald's phase right now, and just like the double the double cheeseburger just still really good. I think McDonald's is important for American teens
2: to get the calories they need (laughs) as they grow. It's like, what else can you have one hamburger and it's your daily (laughs) worth of fat and calories? Fair. Want
0: to talk about Snyder? Do we have to? Yeah. God damn it. I think this is how we got to know each other when I did the Snyder piece about Grantland. that's right. About what a terrible owner he was. And you were kind of half-jokingly saying you're going to put together a team. Now it's gotten to the point where they're like speed rush, retiring Sean Taylor's Jersey, a beloved Washington football player. Um, they speed retire it, do it half ass. Snyder's wearing a hoodie at the photo thing. Um, the fans for the games now, it's like two thirds fans of the other team. Nobody from Washington wants to go. And then it's like, well, we're going to build this new stadium and we're going to do our redo RFK. And, We'll get everybody back. It it does feel like something's broken here that cannot yeah. be healed. It's
2: clearly coming from Daniel Snyder. The, after uh, 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 Sterling, what's his name from the Clippers? Donald Your Sterling, Clippers yeah. After he disappeared, I think Snyder picked up the mantle as worst owner
0: of professional sports. I think it's I very think it's, possible. Yeah, very possible. Yeah, if you're putting and, together the formula of what are all the ways you could be the worst owner? I mean, Sterling was, you know, he was the Michael Jordan of bad owners, but, um, but Snyder really checks some boxes. Like he's driven away fans. The team's terrible. Um, he's sucked the will out of the fan base in the city to like football, which is a really rare thing. It's hard to do. He seems unlikable. He's over and over again makes bad decisions.
2: He's the only owner that was uh, bullish on Jeff George as a quarterback. Just think about that.
0: (laughs) Just think about that. He's over and over again offended different groups of people, which is pretty hard to do. Over and over again, the the cheerleader stuff with him has been really, really bad.
2: Um, Uh, uh, Bill, I can't root for them, and I haven't rooted for them, but I still, like, when I see the scores, part of me growing up being a Washington football team fan, going to RFK when Jack and Cook was there, one of the great owners in sports, I I still privately root for them, but I can't root for them. It's a weird place. Joe House knows exactly how I feel. Every football fan of this team feels the same way. It's 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 a it's sad. I don't think the only thing that's worse is maybe being a Chicago Bears fan, just because they're or Lions fan, but they're they don't have bad ownership like we do.
0: Yeah, they're still like a community because at least they're bonded by something. The Washington fans, I don't even know what they're bonded by. And and a lot of the Washington fans I know are just doing more fantasy, high-end fantasy and gambling, like you in-house. Like you've supplanted your favorite team, which is things that are actually maybe not great for you as human beings. Things that I
2: love. You know, we are the polar opposite of the Boston area sports franchises. We really are. And I think the Capitals winning and the Nats won the World Series too. Did the Nats win the World Series. Yeah, Did I block you got that two out of already?
0: them. Yeah, you got two.
2: But it didn't fine. like it, it, it wasn't like a rising tide that lifted all boats. In, in fact, it was like a, a sinkhole. Just everything, everything got, everything got worse. I am so jealous. I will always be jealous of you and the Boston sports teams. It's just I can't even imagine what my life would be like. I think I would be actually happy as an individual. Happier? No, like permanently happy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't believe that. I don't, no. Um, you're playing golf again, though. I a little I, bit. I, I picked it up over the summer again. Yeah. And um, I, I played a lot. Not played. I practiced a lot. I probably played five rounds. And um, I haven't had the chance to play since the summer ended. But it's something I think about. And I'm worried that if I go down that rabbit hole, you will never
0: see me again. Ever. No, I will see you again because I'll be playing with you. I'm and ready now, Let's make now, the leap together, like Thelma and Louise. <laughs> I'm in.
2: But here's the thing: is like I want to like if I do it, I want to push myself to the point where I can play competitively again. Whether it's local amateur tournaments or 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 who knows what could
0: happen. Well, why can't you be like the like Kenny G and Jack Wagner? You be in the celebrity ones. You count as a celebrity. Here, I
2: I. I'm too competitive because if I do that, then I have to beat the shit out of everybody. And I think really the best celebrity golfer is probably Steph Curry. His swing is extraordinarily good, and he's got all that torque. I yeah, he's got the hand eye. Yeah, dude, he's he's, he's, he's only thirty three years old. He could actually make the tour, I think, if he focused on. He's just a that kind of athlete. So yeah, I I, I don't think that I could ever. I don't know. I I am just I can't be like bad. I don't want to be a bad. Pro-Am tournament golfer. Have you played in one of those before? No,
0: I. I no.
2: Yeah. Why would that you? Sounds, why would you do that? It's. Help. I would have to.
0: I would have to be really good to want to that, do that. I'd have to. I would have to be consistently low to mid 80s, playing like so four to five times a week. Can we make a a
2: a, a public challenge to each other? That yeah. We choose a date. We choose some tournament pro-Am two three years out, but and so we try to. We try to play.
0: Let's do three years out. I'll be gone by then. Nobody will even know where I am. I'll just pop out <laughs> for golf tournaments and that's it. People are going to miss me when I'm gone. I'm telling you. Um, I told you when you had a second kid, it was going to be like the first kid's like a torn ACL. And then a second kid is like a torn Achilles. Achilles. It's yeah, yes. it's a longer recovery. Um, you're feeling it
2: now. You have You have a new I, child. I, I have told everybody that same analogy and it's it, I have not torn my ACL or my Achilles but now I know exactly how it would feel like because that's
0: what is happening. Yeah. It is so hard. <laughs> so you can hard. still suit up. You can uh, you can still run through the motions. You're just completely compromised physically.
2: I don't even know why it's so exhausting. I have no idea why it's so exhausting. And you forget everything. You forget how hard it was. And for the for 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 us, the people that don't give birth, like we have really nothing to complain about, but still like, I don't know. Like you're not sleeping. You got to help out everywhere. I, I'm i not, I'm enjoying it, but also I'm like, just sort of fast forward, get to sort of where Hugo's at right now. But Hugo's actually 90% amazing, but the 10% when he throws a temper tantrum, it's very
0: hard. It's very hard. And I'm on full-time Hugo duty most of the time. Well, As I told you, little boys are dumb assholes and you just have to factor that in for about seven years. They're just dumb assholes.
2: Oh my gosh. They're
0: just, it's so funny because we have a male dog who's just turned one. My guy, uh, my guy Murph, same thing, just a dumb asshole. And it's just like having a little boy. And then eventually, like when Ben hit like nine or 10, it's like, oh, you're actually like not a dumb asshole anymore. But he was. Now, now when he's being an asshole, it's intentional. But when they're little kids, they can't help themselves. It's fundamentally they're dumb assholes. I haven't seen your son. I saw him recently and I hadn't
2: seen him like since the pandemic started. He's like a a man. He's like a grown man. I don't know what happened.
0: This is how it goes. They hit, they hit like nine and then it's like, boom, they're like, they're within four years. They're just men. And then you have to start having the conversation. Could they kick your ass or not? I think he can kick your ass. Oh, I think he could too. I feel like he, I'm still a favorite because I I think I know how to cheat better than he does probably in a fight, but I, it, he should win. He should be able to beat me. He's tough. He should. There's no question. He should. Um, he loves the thing, um, the, the noodles that you just released.
2: Yeah. Well, you can get them at Target. Um, they're, they're Momofuku noodles there are three different
0: flavors, spicy, soy and tingly. Um, this is, by the way, an organic plug. You sent us some. My son loves ramen more than anything. I think a lot of people like really love ramen. Like if you did their food rankings, desert island thing, ramen would be number one for a surprising amount of people. And this is like the best. He thinks this is the number one ramen he's had. And it's not ramen. It's you're calling it noodles, but it's same, same, same ballpark. But but what we really wanted to do was uh treat it like
2: mac and cheese, like craft yeah. mac and cheese. You 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 cook the noodles and you add sauce and you're done. Yes.
0: Well so he's been doing it uh at all hours of the night, even at like eleven thirty midnight. Probably the wrong time to eat the major domo no, he's noodles. A gro- but- he,
2: he's a grown he's a growing boy. He, he he needs to eat calories all he's a big kid now. He's gotta be consuming like four thousand calories a day.
0: I still feel like I can make better mac and cheese than you. Like if it was just like I'm not All of a sudden, gun, gun. Like you just show up and we just all of a sudden I break out pots and ingredients. I still feel like I could hang with you.
2: I'm you, not You, you have the home you're, you're field know.
0: advantage. You're like, oh I, well, let me grab this and you yeah. grab your kitchen. If you were in my kitchen, I just get. I feel like I could. Could be I'm very. A, you close. know what? You
2: know what I'm doing. I, I think I've wised up a little bit, Bill. You're right. You would have. You would be <laughs> You win. Where do you stand on
0: potatoes <laughs> or gratin? underrated. Yeah, Yeah. agree. What about when it's made in like the glass thing where you have to put and it like sticks on the side of the glass? The crunchy bits. it's, It's also extremely easy to make. People
2: need to make it more and I made it two times in six months, which is like a record. I don't usually make anything twice because it's so easy to make. You just slice some potatoes, add some cream, garlic if you want or whatever. Butter, no butter. Cream and milk, that's it. Cover it, put it in the oven 450 degrees, you're done.
0: My mom for my, and Kyle had some for my birthday made, made us brujols and meatballs, but the brujols were made out of filet mignon meat
1: Ooh. and,
0: and it was out of control. And then I had to like monitor Kyle cause Kyle was going to do that thing where he was going to have too much of everything. Cause he just, uh, he becomes like a, like a dog. He's just going to keep eating. I, um, feel you watching me. <laughs> I could, I was, I was monitoring Kyle the whole time. But the Brijals with the filet mignon meat, I thought, took it to another level. I was pretty excited about it. I,
2: I trust Kyle's palate more than yours, Bill. Kyle, was it was it extraordinary? Was it a 9 out of 10?
1: It was it was so good that I was going to go against his, which it was for his birthday, too, which is why I did not But I was just kind of waiting for him to watch, turn back to the, the
0: midday game so I could go have a couple others. And go sneak in for like the fourth and fifth meatball. how how dare you say kyle's palate you trust it more than mine that's bullshit has you think kyle's ordering the stews from koreatown on postmates and caviar no No,
2: that's bullshit i am so proud of you bill i i don't think people realize how much bill is like exploring koreatown on his own and and it's pretty great it's pretty great i i think it, it took him some time to realize that He's living next to arguably the greatest eating in America. Some of the greatest eating. It took too much time. I agree. It took too much time. Yeah. But now you're doing it and he sends me photos and I couldn't be more proud. Like he really, you know, I think there was some debate in the, in my art group of friends that we, did we hand Bill, you know, membership in our eating club too early, (laughs) right? Are we showing him the secrets? Is he going to actually Is he going to take care of this? Yeah, like we were a little worried that you might be playing like Bill. I mean, uh, uh, Ben Simmons on on the Sixers. You you could have that attitude, but we are all wrong. You 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 put the work in. You love practicing, and you're ready for the next meal. So we're excited. We got to get that on the book soon.
0: The stews, the stew scene in Koreatown. That that's that's my that's my jam. People need to know he's not just
2: eating. He's eating sundubu jjigae. Like, yeah. kimchi, bujige, guys, like, I, I'm so proud that that's your, like, your go-to. It's amazing. It,
0: it There's a weird parallel with Italian food that I can't put my finger on, where it's, like, it's rich and spicy. Like, if you have, like, the right kind of meat sauce with spicy sausage in it, and it, there's something funky happens, and there's this richness and almost, like, sweetness as it's spicy at the same time, that's 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 where I want to get to with some of the stews, and the Young Don is is the best one for it. But and they deliver it's like a, it's like a hundred dollars, but it's like this giant big it ass is, it is thing. It's worth the, it. You get the
2: big stews, you get the big braises, the the spray short rib, but their soups the stews
0: are really good. All right, as my dogs start barking, we're going to wrap this up. Chang, the the Hulu show, it's out. People it's can watch out. it. It's on Hulu. I got
2: a cookbook coming out. We wrote it with Priya Krishna. You can buy that anywhere you buy books called Cooking at Home. And
0: um, yeah. Thank you, Bill. Um, And Uh, the Dave Chang Show. Don't forget uh, about that. And don't forget about Recipe Club as well on the Ringer Podcast Network. All right, Chang. Good to see you. Good luck with the show. Thanks, guys. All right. This podcast was produced by Kyle Creighton. I'll be back on Sunday night with the cuz. Talking football and a whole bunch more. Don't forget to check out the Ringer podcasts. Oh, and the rewatchables, Monday. It's finally happening. Halloween. Me and Chris Ryan, we're doing it. Monday. Been circling this one for a while. I have a lot of Michael Myers thoughts. I mean, a lot. See you on Sunday.